welcome back. Welcome back, Dr. Dr. Glenn Doyle. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, very excited. Very excited <laughs> to have to to have the opportunity to sit down with you again. We're we're kind of um we're kind of doing some unboxing here before we ever even got started rolling. But I figured I'd you know I'd uh, kind of give you a little bit of uh, filling in of what's been going down and and stuff yeah. like that. Did, did, I, I, what have you been up to? What's your update, dude? I'm I, I'm thrilled once again to be sitting down with the man, the myth, the legend, the comedian, the sports entertainer, the the the, the all around amazing human being that is that is Corey Castle. I got to say, you, you're kind of rocking this this kind of Mick Foley, Charles Manson, yeah, vibe going on. This Cactus Jack Manson, if you will. Well, um, I, uh, I, I've been doing, um, I haven't been doing it, but I, I was booked to do, uh, I was going to lie to me this time. I, I, I did it one, no, cause I did it once. Not so to say that I've been doing it when I did it one time is yeah. not, not, I don't think that's fully accurate, but Fair. to say Fair. I got booked to play Aquaman, uh, in a cosplay pro wrestling show. Oh, so, so nice. I I grew my stuff out just to do that, mm -hmm. and I was I was like I like it though, so yeah. I'm gonna just keep rocking it. And, it, it, uh, it suits you, man. Like it, it, it absolutely, it absolutely suits you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. How how did how did that gig go down? Like like well, oh, were it was, you it was, successful? It was, it was oh yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, it was a couple of months ago, mm -hmm. so I mean it's grown in more since then. Yeah. So. So I got another one coming up in like the summertime, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, holding on to it only for that reason. I'm holding on to it because I don't mind looking at it. That 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 aesthetically it works for you, man. It, it, Thank it, you. It, it, it absolutely works for you. Now, do you remember? Like, so I'm kind of a a comics guy. Like, like I'm not hardcore into it, but I'm as into it as as like I was way into Superman. You know what? I'm still in Superman. I can I can show you right now. I'll give you I'll give you an inside look at the at the world of the dock. So behind me here on 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 my on my shelf of fame, we've got we've got the bobblehead Superman, and we've got the Dark Knight Batman, and we've got Miss Harley Quinn. But in addition to that, over here just in front of me, I always have my my superpowers collection Superman. For, for 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 good luck and 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 if you that's right that's right if, if you grew up in the 80s you know that 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 the superpowers collection they all had superpowers and superman's was a super punch but it, it kind of looks like he's running with his arms so maybe maybe yeah. like he's sitting in the passenger seat of the dumb and dumber van as they're on right. on their way <laughs> so it, it feels like you're running at an incredible rate harry <laughs> anyway what i was going to say was like so, so it's it isn't it interesting that that Aquaman, since the big movies like the the latest kind of generation of DC movies have come out, like Aquaman is this badass with with you know just this really distinct visual yeah. look. Whereas for, before for everyone years, was like, oh, it's just some nerd who talks to fish. And oh man, for for years he was you know he was like like he was blonde haired, blue eyed, no facial hair. He was orange and green for crying out loud. Yeah. And it, and it was so much of a joke. Like you remember the TV show Entourage? Entourage, on, yeah. He, right. But that yeah, was Entourage kind of called it. 
The, the, well, the yeah, and that was kind of the joke was that yeah, ha ha, he's the star of Aquaman because they figured Aquaman was the guy who was never going to get a movie, and we can just put him in the show. But as it turned out, it was huge. It was like huge, and 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 everyone loved it. It's fascinating to me. It's fascinating. What do you think? So so, what's your? I don't know if you're a superhero guy. Like like, what's your take on on? this last generation of, of DC movies. I mean, and they're kind of like rebooting it now because we have the new Batman movie out. So they're kind of moving on from like the, the Affleck and kind Dude, of that, that crew. The, but. The new, I can't say better things about it. There's not, I can't, I can't put it over even any more than I already have I'm talking yeah. about how much I really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, it was a bit long, but it was worth <laughs> That's it. A bit long. That's absolutely yeah. true. That's, you have a talent for understanding. That's like saying WrestleMania has kind of grown to a, a slightly longer event than it used to be. Yes, it was a bit long. Yes, um, it was. It was a bit long. But, 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 was, but you were into it, though. You were. Yeah, you were yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I I sat I sat there holding my pee for like forty five minutes of, at the end, and I was like, "All right, uh, I'm just gonna wait till it's over." I'm just gonna wait till it's over. It'll be over any time now. This seems like it's wrapping up, I think. And then I was like, "All right, well, uh, <laughs> just a, just a little leg cross, just a little leg cross. Everything's gonna be fine." I'm I'm, I'm imagining you kind of, kind of in that last, whenever it was half hour or so, when like so Batman and Catwoman they're riding their motorcycles. Right. And that highly necessary scene where they just like rode their motorcycles for about a half hour together and then they went to uh -huh. different directions. Imagine oh, you yeah, okay. Come on, I get it. I get it. They're riding yeah. <laughs> so I went with I went with my roommate and mm -hmm. he was like, he's like, hey man, I'm gonna go piss real quick. Let me know what happens. Let me know if I miss anything when I get back. And he came back and he hadn't missed anything. <laughs> and and I was like, I was like, I bet you I could do that. I bet you I could do that. And I was like, Nah, I don't think I can. All right. uh, be, be, it would just be your luck that you'd miss a, a, a major a very, point. Very important. I'd be like, i come back and be like, what happened? Neo from the Matrix showed up. You missed it. You missed it. <laughs> the whole thing. There was a cameo. Marvel people showed up for some reason. I don't know, man. I, I don't even know. Did Dr. You, Strange was in and out. <laughs> did you see, did you see the Spider-Man? I've I've not or no I I've not and and I that's that's I just haven't had the opportunity to but I've 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 meant to because I'm really like like the Marvel movies like this latest generation of of, of Marvel movies has have been so um, you know like there's some criticism of them that they're kind of homogenous and they all kind of feel the same and 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 whatever but I tell you man like in terms of just just fun going down easy, um, great performances, you know, the, those Marvel movies, I mean, sure, they, you know, some of them might get a little bit, a little predictable, but I've really enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. um, so cool to see a lot of the old characters from back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the crossover from Sam Raimi stuff. Mm -hmm. And what, what's cool about it is he's, I think Sam, Sam Raimi is maybe doing the new Doctor Strange, right? Oh, is that the case? I think I, I, think, I think it is the case. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's real. It's real cool to see like stuff from his franchise of the Spider-Man come back, and then him come back for Doctor Strange. 
that you know, you know the Tobey Maguire um, Spider-Man movies. Um, I wasn't so hot on on the third one, but but the first and second ones, you know, what they really reminded me of was um, you know for the first time in a long time there were superhero movies that that reminded me of what it felt like to watch the old Superman movies, the old Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Okay, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid. Right. And and there was even like some homage to those movies. Like there was the bit about like him, you know, pulling open his shirt with the Spider-Man. And, and it, it, it does it did give you that feel. And there was that whole like strong reds and strong blues. Yes. Yes. And the fact that they the fact that they went with in those movies with the the Spider-Man costume that so closely resembled the costume from the comics. I thought it was a major win because, you know, for years that was something that the movies, like when they would take these old comic characters, right. And they would put them in live action movies. One of the things I felt that really suffered was like the costume, like, you know, they had to make it all dark and you had to make it all like, cause I grew up with like, I grew up with, with, with um, gray and blue Batman, right. Like I grew up with like, like the Batman of the eighties that had blue and gray and, and, and a bright yellow bat. And then when you did the um, the the live action Batman movies, like the you know like the, uh, the the Tim Burton and the Joel Schumacher ones, like we think of them as as okay, there's a lot of colorful kind of very comic pop art kind of stuff, but the costumes themselves got like really like almost like black, like all black. Mm-hmm. And so, like watching the uh, the the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, like I thought that they're going to try and make it like a kind of a dark gritty you know like they do and and right, so the fact that they made it a virtual reproduction of the of the old uh the spider-man suit from the movie was really uh, from the comics was really great really really loved it so but i no, I, I look for, i'm really looking forward to the to the new dr strange because i really enjoyed the dr strange standalone movie yeah so you know what i think i really i really expected me to love it mm-hmm. and i just liked it Mm. But but taking away from that, I liked it. It's not yeah. like I disliked it. I just yeah. didn't love it. Like I thought I was gonna love. Like it looked like it was. I was like, whoa, this looks so cool. But uh, I didn't feel the hey, this is very cool as much as I felt it in the trailer. Sure, sure. Well, I think I will tell you that for as much as I really enjoyed the Doctor Strange standalone movie. There, there was a point that I felt that that it kind of I don't know jump the shark is 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 exactly what what I want to say, but there was, there were sharks in that movie. There were sharks and and they got jumped. They got jumped. There were gangster street sharks. Street sharks. There. It's a metaphor, Corey. It's a yes. metaphor. <laughs> no, I I feel that um. So the first like maybe half to two thirds of the movie, I really really dug. And then it kind of it, it fell into this thing that I think again, like like there's been some criticism of these Marvel movies that that they kind of fall into this kind of very predictable. It's like a villain of the week kind of thing. It's like okay, here's here's yet another villain who wants to destroy and has the power to destroy all of humanity, and the hero has to figure out how to make that not happen. And it turned into like you know, Dormammu, I've come to bargain with the Time Stone and 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 whatnot. I could have dealt without that whole thing. 
because I really dug that first two thirds where he's learning the, his whole shtick. He, you know, he's 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 learning to be Doctor Strange, and and it's the conflict with the old um, the old disciple of Chrysilius and, and yada yada yada. So, um, but I'm I'm looking forward to the new one, man. I've I've been so curious how you know I mean the the whole Marvel universe kind of had this big big build up to Infinity War. And 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 you know like end game and, and and whatnot and now they they're starting from scratch essentially so I'm very curious like I'm very curious how you kind of take that franchise that 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 really feels like it peaked and you build a whole new generation on it so I'm I'm so curious so curious yeah it's strange to go like well okay Tony Stark one of the main characters dead yeah. uh, and uh, we're just gonna figure it out now. Uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're just gonna try to figure it out and uh, uh, uh black black widow dead man nah. captain america is a new guy it's a new guy well yeah. come on Cap we'll, Cap captain america dead we'll figure There's it out another one we got it we'll figure it out we'll figure it out did you watch those shows i you know what i um <laughs> i've been trying to like, like my, I kind of pushed the pause button after Endgame because I'm kind of like, you know what? We're we're, we're going to just we're, we're going to let it all simmer now. We're gonna let it all simmer. We're 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 going to we're going to get our appetite back. Because I will say that that Endgame, the fact that it was a time. To, now you can tell me what what you think about this, but I would have been thrilled had they ended the thing with with um, Infinity War. So Thanos has the snap. Mm -hmm of everybody's gone and i would have i would have accepted that as an endpoint. yeah spoiler spoiler for anybody i would have taken that as an acceptable endpoint. i'm like all right let's just start over we've got like half of our characters are gone right <laughs> let's just rebuild let's just rebuild from here the fact that they had to do uh end game and the fact that they made time travel this this integral part of of the plot really 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 bugged me because i hate time travel stories i hate them I, I, I just, I can't, you know, like, like I, I'll, I'll run with you on back to the future. <laughs> but beyond that, like if we make time travel a thing, then it, then it, it, I feel it takes away from, from kind of the consequences of anything that can happen in any story. Right. Because gosh, we have time travel. We can, we can go back, we can do it. And Endgame kind of tried to make it, you know, there's some suspense and they couldn't quite get it right. And et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, ah, we must, we must, we, so I, if, if we could just pretend that Endgame didn't happen, I would have loved that. I would have loved that. And think about the challenge of rebuilding your universe again with half your. And as it turns out, they were going to do. They were going to do a lot of that anyway. Like you said, we've got a bunch of characters that are dead anyway. <laughs> so they could have just left Endgame and and had a really interesting, challenging rebuilding. I'll tell you about about the, like the, the time travel conundrum because like like I always. Whenever there's a really good, interesting movie, either movie or movie series, that starts to kind of run in that direction, like, oh God, man, now we're going to get into this thing where it's going to introduce all these time paradoxes, and it's just, and I was scared to death that that's where Star Wars was headed, because we had, um, so we had, The Force Awakens, which kind of introduced a whole new crop of of Star Wars characters and brought us the old characters. Now, and then we had the last Jedi, which just threw every everything into chaos, just everything into chaos. 
And there were things that were done in The Last Jedi that seemed like they would be really hard to undo, right? Are, are, are you, you, you okay? <laughs> You're struggling. I didn't think I was voicing this controversial opinion, but of course, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was. Uh, I was like, I'm choking on the. I'm choking on the reality that I. I don't really remember much of the Last Jedi. I can't. I've. I've. I've maybe blocked it out. I don't know. Who I, would blame you? Who would blame you? I don't know who, so who the last Jedi happens, and and again they just just a bunch of stuff happens that that seems like it would be really hard to like knowing that they only had one more movie in the new like in the the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. After the last Jedi, it would seem really difficult to wrap a lot of those plot points up. But knowing that J.J. Abrams was going to do the last one that they ended up calling Rise of Skywalker, and knowing that J.J. Abrams has a soft spot for time travel. Like he's got the soft spot for it, right? Like he, he worked it into the Star Trek movies. It's like, oh my, like, oh no, no, we're no, we're doing no, we're doing this. And I really thought that's where he was headed. I really thought there was going like, well, guess what? Because they're always adding new force powers all the time. Like you know, like like you know, now the force can can heal people. It was never able to do that before. I fully expected like a time traveling. Like guess what? We can also travel back. And I'm like, great. Now nothing means anything. That just bring everyone back, just just unsnap. Like like I just can't. Anyway, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to see where Marvel goes. I'm I'm even looking forward to seeing where where Star Wars goes. I'm looking forward to to uh, to the Obi Wan TV show. So we've got some interesting things now. Imagine if time travel was a thing in pro wrestling. Wouldn't that be an amazing? Well, thing? well, yeah. I would I would think that, that would be real cool. I mean, right? it would be a cool storyline. Um, it was funny. Some some kids that I saw, I, I worked the show a couple weeks ago, and I saw this kid and was wearing gear that was similar to mine, and he had long hair like me, and he he was clean shaven, and and I was like, you look like a young me, this this right. kid, and and the kid said to me, he was like, well if if my career heads in any of the directions that yours is headed in, that yours headed in. Then that's like a that's a, a cool sign for me, and he like paid for that compliment, and I was like, "Nice of you to make that compliment," but here I am at the same show as you, and I'm 38 years old. <laughs> this, he was a he was a little a little castle maniac. Yeah, he was a little Corey maniac. <laughs> Did you tell him now? If you had three demandments, like like the Hulkster had the training, the prayers, and the vitamins, if you had three demandments of Corey mania. That, that you could have imparted to 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 your to your young Corey Maniac. What would the three uh, demands be? <laughs> um, I would probably I would probably say. Um, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. I would probably say don't overthink it. <laughs> that would be the first one. I'd say. Listen here, brother. Don't yeah. overthink it. <laughs> take your expectations and just eliminate them. Just okay. take whatever your expectations of what you're getting out of this and get rid of them because it's not as fun when you've got expectations that you won't live up to. Expectations, I, I know this is like a famous thing. Expectations are resentments that have yet to come. Mm, so uh, just if you go like, oh, well, like, you know, when you first get into it, people are like, have a backup plan. Hey, do this. Do, like every every part of it is get a, get a backup plan. Have a backup plan. I never had one. I never mm wanted one all i ever 
wanted was to be a wrestler. I thought that I was going to I was going to be 19. I was going to get fast tracked just like you see happen all the time. I mm-hmm. thought that was going to happen to me. My expectations of, you know, so maybe, maybe the expectations that, and, and discover tri- time travel. If you can, ta- if you can time travel, figure that out. Maybe, maybe you'll, you'll have a, a, a real grasp on your act- expectations. If you see that you've got to where you're supposed to be <laughs> and then you can come back and go, all right, I'm going to just start working towards where I saw myself <laughs> in the future. <laughs> So, so the three demandments of Corey Mania are going to be: don't overthink it, manage your expectations, and invent time travel. There you go, brother. Kill it, brother. That's right. It's running wild, Corey Mania. It's 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 running wild. So, what's what's the the world been like treating you these days? Like, I'm sorry. Like, um, sorry to go back. I think we maybe talked about last time about the the kind of like the way the lockdown treated you and how and now that things are kind of like easing up a bit i don't want to say it's over for sure i don't want to say it's over but it's a little easier what's what's the what's the world of glenn doyle now well i tell you so so much of of my work revolves around um, like I've got kind of two big things that I do. Like, like one, of course, I'm a therapist and I work mostly with people who have, um, who've had trauma and complex trauma happen in their lives. And um, I'm enormously grateful that this technology that we're talking on right now, mm. the video scope as the, as the macho man used to. Ooh, yeah. Look into the video scope. I, um, I'm, I'm really wondering Glenn, if, if you are a big a bigger wrestling fan as like a, on the normal basis or just because you're talking to me the the wrestling the wrestling stuff's amped up at that. Oh no, I mean, you know what? You're you're probably one of the few people that I can talk to that would get them, that would actually get the references that I'm making, right? So so it's 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 a little amped up simply because it's good to be able to have someone who understands the so manage your expectations. Man, one of the demands. Second demandment of Corey Mania. That's right. <laughs> um, so I'm, I, I'm so grateful that that I have the kind of job that I could do. I could still do a lot of a lot of therapy work with people. There, oh, see, that's a Castlemania. Sure. A Castlemania, I love it. I, I, I love actually, it. I actually had it um, designed after um, re- the the WrestleMania 14 logo, mm-hmm. that the the red one. So, yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Clear. Oh, try to move that up a little bit. So it looks just kind of like the the Mike yeah. Tyson, Shawn Michaels, yeah, yeah, Steve yeah. Austin. Oh, I love angle. it. I love it. That, I love, that I love year's it. WrestleMania. I asked them. I asked the guy to kind of rip that off a little bit don't don't tell wwe don't send this to them oh, they're, they're, they're notoriously laid back about enforcement of their copyrights oh so yeah they're, yeah they're <laughs> just uh, just ask anybody who tries to upload something to youtube they, they're just laid back yeah dude uh, my my little podcasts small potatoes to wwe they, they're not paying attention to anything i'm doing well, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. brother. We'll talk, you know, when, when I'm back on your show on episode 666, we'll talk about how your media empire has oh, exploded. 
Right, right now, right now, <laughs> small potatoes. Back by the six six six. Gigantic potatoes. Big potatoes. Big potatoes. Big potatoes. That's a bit. That might be our episode title. Big potatoes. Big, big potatoes. <laughs> big potatoes, brother. Um. So anyway, so no, I, I, I'm I'm really lucky to have the type of job that I could do a lot of a lot of the work like this. And and as we've kind of gotten in and out of um, this this pandemic, and then like you, like I'm not prepared to say that it's over because I mean, who we all thought, dude, we all thought this was over months ago when we had a minute where man, everyone got vaccinated, and and and, and we thought that that was going to be it. Well, do you and, think? Do you think perhaps that this is like alternate timeline? Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is maybe it did maybe it did get fixed or maybe it didn't happen, and somehow we joined in some alternate timeline where it's here and not going if, anywhere. If that's the case, I would like to meet up with whoever stole the sports almanac and uh, slipped it to Biff because because boy, this has just been a major pain in the ass. Biff is not being a real BFF right now. He's not being a BFF. He's being a butthead. Um, so anyway, so I, I'm, I'm lucky enough that that I, I still get to do a, a lot of the work that, that I was doing. The, the other big thing that's – and my patients are all rock stars, and that hasn't changed. Mm. My, my, my patients really, really um, – came through this this pandemic and still did a lot of super super important work and and if any of them are, are watching my face or listening to my words right now you are my rock stars and you are my inspirations and i love you guys you're amazing the other big thing that i do is is now um, now now at this point you yeah. call them out individually then say what their major issues are Absolutely. just yeah, there's no violations in that, right? <laughs> in fact, I think I just violated HIPAA by acknowledging that that they exist and they're they, awesome. Just by the, the acknowledging the existence of a doctor's patients is a violation. <laughs> a violate. I, you know what? I tweeted. I tweeted something like that not long ago. I'm like, hey guys, I'm about, I'm about ready to violate HIPAA and tell you something important about my patient. You ready? You ready? They're awesome. <laughs> I have expected that you know there's a subset of of, of people who take HIPAA. I mean, you should take HIPAA very seriously. But I have expected yeah. somebody to be like, oh, don't, don't joke about, that. don't joke about that. It's true. Though. Yeah. Um, um, you you can't you can't make jokes about uh, HIPAA. Not uh, <clears throat> okay. Let me try to make let me try to reword this. I'll start from the beginning. It's gonna be uh, amazing. Go for it. Yes, <laughs> I can't wait. Do, do, I, do I need to? <laughs> yeah. You you can't you can't share personal information about patients because that might make you a hypocrite. Oh, a hippa, a hypocrite. Oh, you, that's that's why you're a professional. That's why you're a professional. I mean. <laughs> If, if you were telling jokes at the Oscars and someone tried to lay one into you, like, I mean, you, you wouldn't have, because you're a professional. You Well, I, I actually, I actually was on stage a couple of days ago and I said, I was like, my, I, I don't bring up that I'm a wrestler ever. That's not the thing I bring up on stage, but the guy who introduced me uh, said that when, what, when bringing me up. So I was just had to acknowledge it. And I was like, all right, I know that this has probably been talked about by every open micer and every comedy thing that you've been to in the last couple of weeks, and I haven't had a chance to say anything about it yet. But like, 
excuse me. In our business, if if one of the fans comes near us and 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 swings at us, we're allowed to kill them. So come on and swing at me. Try it, please. If, I, if, I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna offend you with a joke, come 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 at me, bro. I was just impressed. I like I didn't see it in real time. I saw clips of it afterward, but um, I was impressed. And, and there's a lot to be said about it. I don't want to get too serious about it. But um, the thing that that struck me is like if somebody struck me in any way because at first it looked like a punch and and of course having been a wrestling fan growing up mm-hmm. i i can't like like as an adult if i was ever involved in a fight i, I would not i mean i'd be working the punch i'd be like stopping the ground and why aren't you going down <laughs> um <laughs> i remember being on the playground i remember like being a kid like you're getting scuffles with me and then you're like you're stomping the ground like go down <laughs> but he didn't go down. Like and 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 I was curious about that. And then everyone was like, "Well, I didn't punch him. He slapped him." I'm like, "I don't. I would still go down. <laughs> like, there's no universe in some in which somebody would have struck me, and I wasn't expecting it, and I would not have have at the very least gone. I'm not gotten back up. Gonna sell it a good amount so that yeah. you'll get some money in the settlement. Yeah, yeah no doubt." I saw it like like Vince selling a stunner. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute, but yeah. Um, no, so coming back to like so so continuing to work with with, with patients and that they are my pride and my joy, and I don't care who knows it. The other big thing that I do is I'm I'm board president of of a nonprofit organization called Seek Safely, and I think we talked about this a little, a little bit last yeah, time. Where yeah. you know we. You know, we uh, are, are strong believers in ethics and accountability in the self-help industry. And so we work really hard to kind of educate people about what makes for kind of ethical self-help. And I know both you and I are, are into self-help and wellness and, and, mm-hmm. and life acts and, and these kinds of things. And, you know, the, the thing with a pandemic was that it really changed the landscape of, of the self-help industry because suddenly a bunch of self-help gurus who had primarily made their their bank on like kind of these live events. Like we think about self-help gurus like Tony Robbins, who had these like stadium events where people come and get really excited. Can't do that during the pandemic. Um, but a bunch of them, uh, including your best friend, James Arthur Ray, started doing their events online um, and discovered. I was, I was going to ask you, uh, I was going to ask you, if you had opinions on Aubrey Marcus and on it, uh, that whole uh, fit for service, that whole idea. Tell me if you've heard of it or what your opinions are, if you've researched it in any way. I've not researched it. It's it, it's familiar to me. I like I don't know enough about it to to, to, to really give a well done, but I'm curious. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm I, curious. I, I'd, I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts on it are. Real, real I just, it, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm, yeah. I love, I love Aubrey Marcus. I think, I think uh, his podcast is great. I think everybody who's he's ever had on his podcast are great. But uh, I started I started uh, googling it because um, he does mm-hmm. these seminars like the yeah, fit yeah. for service and stuff. And uh, I started googling it, and people were like, "It's a cult. He feeds you <laughs> with all these psychedelic drugs, and then he upsells you on some shit." And I was like, right. "Oh, <laughs> I didn't think that was the case at all." <laughs> but 
He gets, I, I do, the thing that I do know about him is, is that he has a reputation for, um, for, for kind of being a, a, I mean, it's kind of the same niche as, as Joe Rogan, that, that he amplifies a lot of voices that, um, that, that, that some people have an issue with. Um, and, and, you know, my take on that has always been, I feel the same way about Joe Rogan. Like my take on that is that, you know, man, there are, there are always going to be teachers. I feel the same way about James Arthur Ray for what it's worth. Like, you know, there, there are always going to be teachers out there who you know, are, are, are going to say things and make claims that, uh, you know, like, are they going to hold up to 100% empirical scientific scrutiny, whatever that means in our world? You know, I don't know. I think there are a lot of these teachers that say things that are worth thinking about. And so I really value platforms. Like, like his and like Joe Rogan's, like, you know, I, I really value platforms that, that do amplify these voices. Although I'm also sympathetic to the point of view, like, eh, there's some of these guys that don't need to be amplified. You know, there's some of these guys that, that really, uh, if they just, but here's my, you know, I tell you what though, speaking of cults, my take on that is also that, you know, boy, you can make that argument that, okay, some of these voices don't need to be amplified. But it also seems to me that, you know, look, if there is a problem with their message, right? And if there's a conversation to be had around what might be problematic messaging, wouldn't you want more people to be exposed to it so more people can point out what the problems are? Like if they stayed in kind of their own universe, right? In their own bubble, I think that would make it more likely for little cults of personality. I'm a cult of personality. Little cults of personality to take root, right? So, um, so I, th I think it's a, I think it's a really mixed bag. Um, but my going back to what I was saying was that you know, boy, during the, the you know the lockdown and 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 the pandemic, Instagram and and YouTube and and TikTok became real go-to destinations for people for you know to, to to get kind of self-help resources and tips and hacks and to become familiar with these self-help personalities. And so Seek Safely, the, this nonprofit that, uh, that I'm board president of, like we got really, really interested in how, you know, influencers, wellness and self-help influencers really use these platforms to develop uh, their followings, which is probably not something that would have happened had we not, had everybody not been forced to spend essentially a year and a half at home staring at screens. During, during that year and a half, I was head of the board too. Yeah. B-O-R-E-D. Hey, hey Oh, that's 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 an old Norm Macdonald chestnut right there, man. That's a <laughs> that's an old that's old Norm Macdonald uh, when he I I think it was when um, Sagat roast. It wasn't the Sagat roast. It was it was when a, an actress whose whose name is is escaping me, the chick from one one of the women from from Melrose. Oh Place. right, oh well, right, 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 right. I know exactly what you're talking about. The, the one, chairman yeah. of the board. Yeah, I, it was he was on Letterman. With, I'm with Conan. The, I'm Conan. Yeah. Uh, Conan. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly. I know the clip because sometimes I'll just put on YouTube like the like a like an hour of Norm stuff, and I yes. just oh my god, and, and consume it because it's been it's been uh, underrated for so long. And uh, I was such a huge Norm McDonald fan. I'm actually really curious to kind of get your thoughts on. I mean, of course, we lost norm here a few months ago but uh, i mean i was such a huge fan even before he passed i would do the same thing like like mm -hmm. i would put on just just let him play and right. and um 
his book um, that that I, you know when it first came out a, a few years ago. That's which which was advertised as he's like, well, the memoirs. Yeah, he, he's like, well, it's a memoir. <laughs> And he had this whole spiel that he did about it, right? He's like, it's uh -huh. a memoir. He's like, it's not true, but it contains truth. Like, Norm, you're, 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 you're deep. But so as a comedian, like, so you were into Norm. Like, like how, did that, how did that hit you, man? That's a big loss for the world of comedy, right? Uh, I don't... I don't know how to say it. Um when famous people die, mm -hmm. I don't get too personally wrapped up in it, really. I mean, I, I mean, it is somebody, uh, for sure, somebody who's beloved to me. Like, that's, that, for sure, Norm is huge. But, but somehow, I, some of them I've taken too, too hard, and some of them I want to not take them so hard. So I'll, like, kind of try to forget about it a little bit. Like, yeah. like Chester and Cornell... Like those deaths, I took them way too hard, and I still, still have the effects of that stuff. But um, when it, I, I don't, I guess I didn't feel as, I didn't feel as much like I should. I, I, I'm also very. I know he wasn't good, and I'm. Uh, that that's not a story that came out until after he was gone, but that made me grateful that he's gone from his suffering right yeah so um the the fact that the fact that we still have those hours of youtube content of norm we still have dirty work to talk about forever that's a jam that's a jam yeah. something so, they should remake in the marvel canon oh yeah <laughs> Dude, I, imagine that on Dis disney plus in the in the uh, in the world of the blind, the man with one eye is king. In the world of skunks, the man with no nose rules. Go! You know, some of my favorites. Um, so, so a couple things. Like, so when when he passed, um, and, and it became known that he had been suffering with cancer for. I mean, almost a decade, I think it, it was, that, and, and he kept it to himself. But you could look back upon his material because he would frequently talk about things like like suffering and death. And, and he always kind of, talked about being afraid of death. Yeah, he talked about that a lot. Big time. And, and he had this brilliant, this 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 entire bit that he did about like, so cancer, so cancer. I can't do a Norm McDonald impression, but it was like, so cancer, right? They always say that somebody lost their battle with cancer. It's like, I don't know. If you die and the cancer's in you, the cancer also dies. So that's like a draw, right? Like, that's not so bad. <laughs> well, like, cancer's like, ah, he's dead now. I'm going to go sleep with his wife. Um, in, wrestling, in wrestling, we would call that a Broadway. When a 10-year right. Broadway with cancer. <laughs> he went 10-year Broadway. <laughs> It was wind, Wyndham and Flair for an hour. No, it wasn't. It was Norman Cantor. But you could see how he had woven what was obviously happening in his mind and in, in, in his life into that material that he was producing. Over the, and, and you can only see it in retrospect. It's heartbreaking. Um, so, but I really love something that I really value about his comedy is that he had this 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 like he was a great storyteller 
and and a lot of his jokes i mean sure he had you know blue material and whatnot but a lot of his jokes were just like you mentioned the saget roast which is famous for he was telling these old school uh, dumb joke dad jokes like dumb <laughs> gilbert he, when you and, see yourself going to the restroom you'll see a, a sign on the door that says gentlemen pay no heed go pay no heed go on <laughs> It's great to be here among your well-wishers, Bob, and many of them would like to throw you down a well. Get it? They wanna they wanna murder you in a in a well. Huh? Huh? Yeah, dude, you do you do a way better Norm impression than you think you do. <laughs> but the thing about Norm was was he would tell these like he would have like a half hour version of 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 what's are really kind of short jokes. Like, like, so there's one of my favorite, I think one of everybody's favorite Norm MacDonald jokes is his moth joke, right? And the moth joke, the, the essential structure of the moth, it's a very simple joke. It's, it's like, okay, so a guy goes into a podiatrist, foot doctor, and he says, the doc says, what's wrong? He says, doc, I think I'm a moth. And so what do you mean you think you're a moth? He says, I believe I am, my, I, I am a moth. And he says, dude, if you think you're that's a moth, you've got problems like up, up here, and you should go to a psychiatrist, not a podiatrist. What are you doing here? And like, why did you come here? The guy says, because the light was on. Right? That's the yeah. joke. That's the entire joke. Man. Norm had a version of that joke. <laughs> if you look it up on YouTube, just like Norm, Norm McDonald moth joke. I, without exaggeration, like he milks it for like 15 minutes. He has this whole narrative. But how the moth goes, you know, the, the guy the, the guy goes into the podiatrist and he's all depressed and he's got this like he turns it into like a Russian novel <laughs> leading up to that dumb punchline of cause the light was cause the light was on. Ah, yeah, yeah, right? The light was he's a moth. Get it? Uh, rest in peace, Norm. But we also lost, speaking of 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 folks we've lost. So, so now I'm curious as to like so you said there's there's you know, some celebrity deaths that you took hard, some celebrity deaths that 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 you actually actively tried but, not but to take. The hard. thing is, because I don't really uh, also uh, I, I'm really weird with the word celebrity. So mm -hmm. I get I'm, I, there is there is levels of like people who are performers who I very much respect. Sure. And I uh, it's I'm, I'm just I'm I just have weirdness about like praising folks because sure. people are people sure. and as we've seen very that's, flawed that's from the muppet steak might happen people's is people's go on yeah, <laughs> yeah people so, are people yeah. yeah yeah so uh what was the what was the question you were asking me no i, I was i was gonna um i mean i, you, I was actually gonna ask you if you know so so who did kind of kind of hit you know, hit you when they passed. And, and I mean, you mentioned a couple. Yeah, Chris Cornell was the hardest one, I think. And I know a few people who really took that, like were really, really affected by it. Uh, I think Chris Cornell and then Chester being right after that, like six months after to the day, yeah. that just the the back-to-back the -back of those two yeah. uh, hit me really hard. And uh, that that's still, still some of my most played music is from those guys. You bet. You bet. But um, what what do you think makes the difference in 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 somebody's passing who who you take really really hard, really personally, 
versus somebody who who you keep a little bit of distance on. Well, I think I think sometimes it's like I feel the insincerity of social media is mm-hmm. um, it, it sometimes it's hard to like when someone when someone famous died like like Scott Hall the the, the Scott Hall that. That that that's huge, and that did affect a lot of people. And I don't think anybody who posted about Scott Hall's death was being insincere, because when other people die, people go, "Oh, look, I took a picture of him at a convention. I took a picture with him at a convention ten years ago." Like, mm-hmm. yeah, but, like this guy was probably a piece of shit. Like, what was like? There's probably stuff about this person that was not favorable, and and nothing else was really. I don't want to say respectable, but nothing was really like, like, uh, what else did they do? Like, what, who, who were they? That's, that's the, the question I always, and, and like the, the, that's also this, the same thing going back to Scott Hall is like, Scott Hall was somebody who tortured his family for a long time with his, and, and it's like, um, the the way that he passed was not was not at all the path that everyone thought was the way it was going to go. Very much, very much. But it's, um, you know, it, it's so interesting because Scott Hall specifically, I think, really represented something to to a, a generation, and 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 represented different things too, right? Like so kind of that that i mean not i mean to putting aside the great work he did in the wwf as as razor ramon which the hey yo what what a great character like like what a great example of like vince mcmahon for all the criticism he gets <laughs> it's so anyway for all the criticism he gets for for turning especially wrestlers of that era into kind of cartoon characters um sometimes it just clicks and and with that character, it really really clicked. K L I Qs, right? Right? Click. Get it? Get it? Get, Get it. it? Ah, the light was on. The light was on. Ah, they want to murder you in a well, Bob. Um, click. Get it? Um, not not the Bone Street Crew. The click. That's a deep cut. Um, did you did you watch the Hall of Fame speech? I did. Well, then <laughs> it's not that deep of a cut. It's right. Fresh sure. on the surface of that's, everyone's memories. That's true. For everyone, for a long, saying, for a long time, it was a deep cut. For a long uh, time, was, yeah, yeah. BSK, um, bro. BSK, bro. <laughs> which sounds, which I'm sorry, it sounds lame. I just, I can't. Oh, yeah. it's a, it's, I think it was. I think you know the the main idea of it was, um, was just to confront, like to be a different clique. To have, like a counterweight, was, right, to have a counterweight, have a counterweight to counterweight to the click, yeah. And I think yeah. it had to do with they played dominoes. Dominoes, yeah, that was it. <laughs> no, so, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm never going to tell, say, Taker that it was lame. But I'm just, oh yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, excuse me, that was dumb, <laughs> Mister Callaway. <laughs> you in your smoking jacket. Um. Yeah. Anyway, no. So well, Scott. Oh. Well, well. Hmm. You you say that you'll never tell that the Undertaker, hmm. but the Undertaker said to never say never. So that's, that's true. <laughs> so 
Well, maybe, maybe, maybe don't say that. That's maybe not. Hey, maybe, maybe when, when maybe one one day you'll catch them and you'll be like, "Hey, just gotta tell you this real quick, real quick," because I told you I said I'd never say it, but I have to say it because I you told me to never say never. But the Bone Street Crew was stupid. Yes, guy is lame. Lame, <laughs> sir. Uh, you know it's funny too about I mean not to get too far off what we were talking about, but but like. Like, so I remember when Undertaker, like, debuted, like, like okay, legend, like, he became a legend. But once upon a time, you know, he, he was another example, actually, of, of, like, a very, at the time, very cartoonish, you know, and, and, and when he beats um, Hulk Hogan for, the, you know, for, for his first WWF title, I remember the wrestling magazines. I remember Pro Wrestling Illustrated would not cut cut him a break. It's like that. This this man as a champion is a joke. He's 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 a Vince McMahon cartoon, and like we're supposed to take this guy seriously. Come on, he's he's clearly not a zombie. His PWI was like that. People was like, ah, WWF is this circus, and they've got animals and snakes and and, and whatever. Like, come on, he's a zombie. Because they all thought that you know, I mean, PWI was staffed by. I mean, they all wanted Harley Race to be champion forever but um anyway so it's fascinating now to kind of fast forward to he's now in in the hall of fame and 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 retired and and whatnot he became this legendary figure but i remember when i was like oh come on he's he's dead sure he's dead whatever anyway it was, was kind of neat to see him with the britney spears headphone headset on and and <laughs> and doing the whole ted talk i thought that was neat <laughs> But him not, him not him not giving a him him not giving a thank you to Mick Foley was kind of poop though. That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, but coming back to Scott Hall, I, I I think that in that generation, right? Like so so again, like you take like for all the great work he did in the WWF as 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 Razor Ramon, you know, like so many people are going to remember him, uh, you know, for the. NWO angle that that really changed things and I the fact that he kind of kicked it off like like when we think of like when did the NWO angle really start it was him coming through the crowd dude dude I think about that all the time there's never a moment where I'm not thinking about him in the in the in the denim in the full denim going mm -hmm. you know who I am but you don't know but why you don't know what right because because that so lent to the fact that it seemed like WWF was crossing mm -hmm. over to WCW mm -hmm. and, and it like lent to making the NWO cool because they weren't WCW guys. Big time. Big time. And the, and the fact that a few years prior to that, we, we almost got that story in a different form. Like we'd had Ric Flair jump to the WWF with the real, the, the real, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And Vince uncharacteristically had had whiffed like they they like for one brief shining moment, we thought we were going to get our WrestleMania seven main event of Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. And and, and, it, and it didn't happen. And WrestleMania seven was great. Like we had we got, you know, Savage and Flair on the one hand and and, and Hogan and Sid, which was a modern day masterpiece. Don't and tell me I'm wrong. With a, with a mistimed Papa Shango running. Anyway, but the point being that like, we had almost got it a few years prior. 
Dallas. Also, I have to say real quick before before I before I burst your bubble. Yeah. Uh, that was a little bit before my time. I was not watching wrestling yet at that you, point. You, you, missed, <laughs> you, you missed. So it was a great big deal. Like, like I can tell you that, that and I was pretty young at the time, that much older. But um, it was a pretty big deal to to see Ric Flair show up because, you know, Vince was, was famous. The WWF was famous for having, uh, when they would bring in, guys that you recognize from the other promotions they like they you they bring him in but they give him a new name and new music and and the whole thing right like so carrie von eric shows up the, the texas and, tornado and he, yeah texas tornado right like mm-hmm. like kurt henning shows up and he's mr perfect and and, and, right. and these and mind you these are former world champions like kurt henning was an awa world champion like carrie von eric was an nwa and world class world oh. champion did you ever there's the 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 Mr. Perfect DVD. There's a match he had for the yeah, AWA Heavyweight yeah, Championship I mean, yeah. with Nick Bockwinkle. Uh and I I rewound this a hundred times because it cracks me up. When when Kurt hits him, throws him off the ropes and hits him with the axe, right? Right in the head. And then and then Nick Bockwinkle goes down and he's gigging. Mm-hmm. He's gigging. There's a guy in the front row in the crowd, not in the mm-hmm. front row, but maybe a couple rows back. And he's like, he's cutting himself. He's got like there was a guy like making this <laughs> hand motion, and I, 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 I didn't notice that until like way after. But I wonder if if that like if that like destroyed kayfabe for anybody. <laughs> well, for sure that guy. For that guy, yeah, for definitely for that guy. But I mean, it, it was standard practice for like it was it was not unusual to see guys that you knew from the other shows show up on WWE. But it but it was usually new name, new whatever. To, oh, so yeah, to see like, Ric Flair, to see Ric Flair show up as Ric Flair and and with the big gold belt mm-hmm. was extraordinary. And for one brief shining moment, we thought we were going to get our our inter federation feud, and and then it didn't happen. But then they, the the ball also got dropped during the inter, in, invasion and all that stuff too, so that <laughs> yeah. that whole thing could have been so cool. Absolutely, but, but it was just a dud. It was a dud. So so the, like they, the, the that early NWO angle, right? Like with coming through the crowd and 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 never really acknowledging, like yeah, we're from up north, and my big my 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 buddy from up north is going to come down, and who's going to be the third man? Finally, kind of gave us that 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 it scratched that itch that we've been looking to get scratched for a long, long time. And so, I think that's one of the reasons why why obviously Scott Hall stands out in everybody's mind. But even if you fast forward a couple of years, so one of the hallmarks of WCW storytelling at the time that that Eric Bischoff in, in his in his book Controversy Creates Cash, which is a good read, I, I highly recommend it. Um, but Bischoff talks about it. he's like you know look I wanted to at, at the at that time I wanted to create a storytelling style that is the, the exact opposite of all that cartoony WWF nonsense. So we're going to keep it very real and kind of dark and kind of like the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight, right? Like 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 it's, there's going to be no you know Adam West bat ears, right? Like we're going to keep it dark and real and pretty. Yeah. 
And as part of that, I mean, again, as an audience, we really hadn't seen that. Like, again, like, like we'd grown up on, on, on Vince's, you know, his, his, you know, Max Moon and, and fucking, you know, like, like we hadn't really seen that, but suddenly we're getting Scott Hall and they're making an angle out of his real life addiction to alcohol. And not only was that an extraordinary departure from what we'd seen, it was also the first time that I can remember that what we saw on TV was mirroring what a lot of the audience members had had you know experience with, like in their life, you know, because like, look, if if you don't have a problem with with alcohol, you know someone who does, or you have a family member who does, right? So the fact that this was being woven into storylines, whatever you think of that, was extraordinary. So, I mean, Scott Hall was kind of there for kind of these pivotal moments that I think really made an impression on a lot of people. So when, you know, now that he has um, you know, passed on, I think a lot of people are having a reaction because they're remembering, they're thinking like, man, that stuff that had such a profound impact on me was decades ago now. Like, like it speaks to the passage of time. Um, in this really profound way that, that I think somebody, somebody should invent time travel now. It's uh, well, it's one of the three demands of Castlemania. So the about time, it's about brother, time, brother. <laughs> but what, what did you think of of the resurrection of of Jake the Snake? That 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 whole movie. I think it was important. I think it was it was uh, it was it, if you if you were ever a fan of these men, you should be watching this this um film yeah. did you watch did you watch the the netflix show that the ddp was on it was like a <clears throat> guardians of the something no no i didn't oh he plays like a batman character it's like all, it's like it's like it's like they're totally ripped off like the justice league all dc characters but they're oh. all like they're all like flawed it's kind of like kind of like the boys. Did you ever see the boys? I, I heard about it. No, I, I I didn't actually watch it, but no, I, my buddy loved it. No. Yeah, yeah. But but this show, Guardians of the, it's not Guardians, it's not Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's mm -hmm. Guardians of the Globe. I think it's called. But okay. it's DDP, DDP. I don't know. I don't even know who else is in it at all. But it's like a a cool like sort of like real gritty show. Nice. Nice. DDP, talk, talk about a guy with just buckets of charisma and, and, and consummate performance. I would love to meet DDP some, like, one of these days. Like, if I ever blow up and, and get to be, like, Tony Robbins big, that's that's one of the guys I want to meet is, is, is not on Dallas page. Well, uh, he's, a, he's a dream podcast guest of mine. I, I can sure. imagine. I can he's imagine. For sure, somebody. Because I, I like, I really like to have conversations with people who um, there's maybe some sort of personal connections. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my friend, my friend Aaron Ganey, who he he died a couple of years ago, but uh, he um, he was going through some real hard times with with diabetes, and he was really obese. And uh, he he talked to DDP on the phone, like, mm -hmm. and they were trying to get set, something set up. And I just wanted to, you know, I I think Aaron actually gave me DDP's number, and the funny the funny. The funny thing about it was, like, I didn't ever, um, I, I never, I don't, I don't think I really had my podcast for a very long time while Aaron was still alive, because mm -hmm. I know that um, we we had scheduled it for 
that June and he had to reschedule with me. And that was back when I was uh, recording at a studio. So we had, had to drive to the studio and I'd have, I'd have to like take him to the elevator and stuff because he couldn't do steps. Mm. And uh, his, his something happened with his kid or something. So we, we had to postpone and then we postponed too many times and I missed the opportunity, but uh, I loved to have the opportunity to have conversations with people who've meant so much to me and have taught me all these lessons and have really <clears throat> had, and, and I think in the beginning, before I ever even started the podcast, I wanted to be able to have conversations with people that I believed had an evolved mindset. Sure. And yeah. an evolved mindset is what makes me uh, want to continue to talk to you. You bet. You bet. Yeah. So, so then I just drag us back to pro wrestling from the 80s and 90s. And that's <laughs> the evolution. This is the evolution. And I, th I think, again, another reason, the, re well, the reason why I bring, you know, the resurrection of Jake the Snake and, and, and DDP up is because I think that when we're thinking about how certain people's passing affects us and how, I mean, there's kind of such an outpouring around Scott Hall. Again, not only is he very memorable because of these moments that he was involved in in the, in the business, but I think a subset of, of folks, uh, you know, followed his journey, you know, partially through that movie and, and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of subsequently. Yeah. But um, I, I think it really spoke to, um, I mean, just like Jake Roberts. You know, I mean, I mean, just, just it, that that journey really speaks to, um, you know, like a, a lot of people who are in recovery, not just from addiction, but recovery from whatever. Like, so if you read my, my, my social media stuff, like, you know, that I'm forever talking about recovery. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, so what exactly is recovery? Because, you know, I, I don't just use it in that narrow sense of like staying sober. Like, right. like I, I mean, I'm, I am a recovering addict, but you know, I think of recovery broadly as recovery from depression, recovery from trauma, you know, recovery from, uh, you know, eating disorder, you know, things that. I think, you know, I think recovery is also like from, from habits. Absolutely. Uh, like not just, not just bad habits, it's just patterns you're in that you can see yourself being better by not being inside of those patterns. You bet. You bet. So recovery, like. Um, recovery from pain, from self-sabotage, from, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to recover from. Um, I do this thing where uh, I'll, I'll I'll wash a bunch of clothes mm -hmm. and I'll dry them and I'll put them in my room and they'll sit there and then I'll just wash them again. Like I'll not fold them and I'll not I'll not uh, I'll not do it. And then like I know I have to do it, but I just don't. And then mm -hmm. it all gets like just dirty again. And that's a cycle I'm trying to break. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, you know I, I get asked a lot, you know, like, look, what's the point of all of this? And then, see, the laundry was a cycle, you see. There's the cycle. Like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> the light was on. <laughs> I think that might be the episode title. Uh, what are you doing here? I don't remember what the first thing you said was now. I'm trying, I'm trying to uh, potatoes. <laughs> oh, big potatoes. Small potatoes, big potatoes. And the light was on. Um, Bob, Bob, they say your face is like a flower. Yeah, a cauliflower. 
Get it? Your face is like a cauliflower. Um, no, but that's that's the thing that that I mean I, I get asked a lot. You know, look, what's the point of of any of this? Like, so psychologists like we're kind of in this role. Like, especially since I do a lot of kind of wellness and self help stuff as well as just you know, therapy. Mm-hmm. I get asked a lot. You know, like, what's the point of all this? The, the the meaning of of life like i can't tell you what the meaning of life is because i think we kind of created it all like m- meaning of my life is going to be different from your life that kind of thing i said but i i can tell you that i i don't think we're here to suffer like i think we're here to create a, a quality of life that we find you know worth waking up for and what you're talking about in terms of breaking out of cycles laundry and otherwise you know is really like like when we're trapped in a cycle um you know that's just a yeah it's both metaphorically and literally what keeps us from creating that quality of life and i think it's i i think it's really important to be able to take a step back and say okay look it's not just the case that life sucks like you you get some people who kind of philosophically say like well life sucks right and and like the stoics would say that like the stoics would say that life is difficult we got to figure out a way to handle that and just but I think that we can actually take a step back and say, well, sure, like there's a certain amount of, of stuff in life that's probably going to hurt. Like it hurts when we lose things. Like it hurts when people pass away. And like we were just talking about, you know, it hurts when time passes and our bodies deteriorate. Whatever. That said, is that where most of our hurt comes from? I'm not convinced that's the case. Like I'm convinced that, that a lot of our hurt comes from kind of this old programming. It's one of the reasons why I'm primarily a trauma therapist is that I think that, man, we have so many experiences that program us with these ideas and these beliefs about who we are and what's possible that a lot of our work is in, um, in, in, in kind of sifting through what we were handed growing up. And by the way, which feels right, like when we have a belief that's been kind of programmed into us and conditioned over years, it feels right because we've never known otherwise. Right. It, every 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 itch gets scratched one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, what, what I want to know, hmm. how did you break? Like what what a, what lessons or what methods did you apply to break your habits that have made you made you realize maybe what it is you're meant to do? Sure. And did and did finding that assist you in the the uh shed, shedding of that of that uh old programming that was hurtful to you you bet so the biggest moments in my life in terms of shifts that 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 have happened have I, i've come to kind of think about them in terms of i've paid attention to to what turns me on, gives me pleasure, gives me joy, which was when I was growing up was not a priority, right? Like we grow up and we're taught, like especially in this culture, like we're taught that, you know, like what we're supposed to do is work hard and we're supposed to endure hardship and and endure pain. And and that's what builds character, right? And we're almost taught that, um, well, we are taught that our enjoyment or our joy um, is almost kind of, a, ah, it's, it, it's not important. Like it's lovely if it happens, 
but you're not here to experience joy. Like you're 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 here to work hard and develop character. Right. Yeah, I think that joy joy stands in the way of productivity. Right. Right. Stands in the way of uh, of uh, being a cog in the machine, like being a being right. somebody who's productive enough to oh, make yeah. enough money to afford them a home and food. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and 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 check it out. Like like I think the people who do the programming often are reasonably well intentioned. Like I don't think my parents got up every morning and said, "Okay, how can I, you know, how can I make his life difficult?" I think they thought they were instilling character. It's my observation, though, that um, that well, I'll put it this way. So I grew up and, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. Like for a long time when I was a kid, I wanted to be a politician, right? Oh, by the way, 2020 was supposed to be the year that I was going to get elected president. You don't even know. Like in fifth grade, I was making a little campaign buzzer. Doyle, 2020, yeah. Like if you talk to anybody who knows me from grade school, like in 2020, they were messaging me. They're like, huh? Huh? This is, this is it, right? they remembered from from back then and then you were like you see what the world is now i don't know i don't know i don't to do with this man i dodged a bullet in a big way um <laughs> no but that's the thing when i got to thinking and, and actually in high school i did uh i did volunteer for like some campaigns and and and, and i got kind of involved in politics and what i noticed was that the stuff that politics asks of you it just made me miserable right i didn't like you know like doing like it's like i'm, I'm kind of an introvert and 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 like it required a lot of networking and a lot of you know yeah that just first of all it made me super anxious i just didn't like and it also required you to do a lot of kind of you know schmoozing and 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 saying things that were not necessarily untrue, but things that were kind. You kind of had to massage the truth a little bit. So it's a, it was a a, a a bit of moral compromise, a bit. It's a bit of moral compromise. It was just my point is that it was stuff that did not feel good. It did not spark joy. Mm. So it was um, a, a campaign. It was a campaign, if you will. It's a campaign, <laughs> man. He is Corey, Corey, the, the pun master. If you ever need a new gimmick, he is the pun master. I, I was kind once of, kind of like a shock master. He'll get you like a, a stormtrooper hat. And then he's the pun master. Campaign! Bursting through the wall. <laughs> he will shock you. He will pun you because he he's the. He will punish you. He's a. <laughs> there you go. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but my point, my point is that so so after that, um, I kind of bounced around, and you know, I, I had the idea for a minute. I kind of wanted to be a rock star and, and be a musician or whatever. But but then I thought about that, and I thought about like, okay, so the types of things that you need to do to be a working performer. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, you needed to be a lot better at music than I ever was. But um, you know, but you also need to do things like you know, you, know, you, you need to work certain gigs and and probably always work another job and and and. You know, like they're they're not things that that when I thought about them kind of filled me with kind of joy. Now again, 
listen to how I'm talking about this. And and we all know somebody who would listen to what I'm saying and say, like, who cares if it would give you joy? Like, you need a job, sir. Where I really turned a corner was, um, you know, I had dropped out of school. I, I, had, I, had, I had this major depressive episode and, and, and I was acting out and I was, and I was miserable. And of course I was, because I was thinking about my life in terms of what I have to do. Right. Like, like these character building experiences. Uh, to ob be obligate, obli obligations for necessity. Right. Absolutely. But where I really turned a corner was, was getting interested in actually like my, my first getting interested in psychology was I got really interested. I was, I was always interested in self-help. I saw as a teenager, I was reading, you know, because I was desperately depressed. And so I was reading like Tony Robbins books and, and, and I got into like Wayne Dyer books. And, mm -hmm. and, and then much later on, I got into James Arthur Ray books. Mm -hmm. But the point is that um, I got interested in, in hypnosis. I thought this was a fascinating thing. And, and, and it sparked joy, like the entire, like as you got into reading. And I'm not just talking about like the stage hypnosis where like, you know, I'm going to make you you know, bark like a dog and click like a chicken and think that, you know, think that this water bottle is your brain that you've pulled out of your head. Like you do a post-prom, you know, they hire the stage hypnotist at post-prom. They do that at prom? They, at, at, at the, I remember that in, in, in high school, one of the, one of our post-prom things that they had like a stage hypnotist and have you do these wacky things that are not hypnosis. Um, mm -hmm. But I got really interested in actual hypnosis, and and I started going down this rabbit hole, this wonderful rabbit hole of of reading things from like Milton Erickson and Bill O'Hanlon about, you know, things that the that the mind can do when you enter into a trance state, like like how yeah, and you know Richard Bandler, one of the kind of pioneers of American hypnosis called a transformation, yeah, huh? trans transformation. You can transform. Mm -hmm. huh? Mm. So I got fascinated with this and it sparked joy. I'm like, I could see myself being a, a you know, I, 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 at the time I thought like, I don't know, like, like there, is there a degree? Is there a license for hypnotism? It turns out there's not. It turns out the closest thing you need, you can do is get, you know, trained and licensed as a mental health practitioner who also does hypnosis, who does hypnosis as, as part of your work. But as I got even interested in that, I got exposed to more and more uh, behavior change technologies, which just thrilled me. And this was all stuff that got me really interested, that that made me want to read the books, that made me want to go to the classes, that made me want to, you know, like, like you know, progress in this, in this career field. I think when you're paying attention to things that turn you on, when you're paying attention to things that spark joy, when you're paying attention to things that make you want to do the thing, as opposed to, oh, I've got to do the thing because I've got to pay the bills. Oh, I've got to do the thing because I'm supposed to do the thing, right? That's really where, where again, in my life, where a, a shift can happen because suddenly you're not as, as interested in escaping reality, right? Because you've started to create a reality for yourself that includes things that you can see yourself doing every day and actually getting value from for yourself, not just for somebody else or not just for, you know, because you're supposed to, because you need a paycheck or whatnot. So my biggest um, you know, piece of, I guess, advice, and I don't really give advice, but, but my biggest recommendation 
is when somebody's looking to to make a major shift. Really get interested in the things that turn you on. Really get interested in the things that 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 pull you, right? That 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 speak to you. Like a way to apply this, for example, with with breaking cycles, as as we were just talking about. As long as the laundry stays on your bed, um, and and you've got this idea, and like, well, I should fold the laundry because I should fold the laundry. Come on, it's what grown-ups do. They fold the laundry. Come on, my mom is telling me that I should fold the laundry. Come on, I can't have can't have a girl over if the laundry's over. Like you know, like all this stuff that speaks to like the supposed to thing. Your brain is still going to go. Ah, there's there's nothing here. Like there's nothing here that I'm into. There's like. There's a big difference between that as opposed to like, okay, is there any aspect of, in this case, folding the laundry and putting it away that could get connected to something that I'm actually interested in, that I actually want, that that could, that could be like, would it actually turn me on to, and when I say turn, turn me on, I mean, just kind of in the broad sense of like, would it give me pleasure to have a, a, you know, a, a living space that's not cluttered up with all this laundry, right? Right. Um, would it actually give me pleasure to uh, to to feel as if I, I conquered a thing? Would it actually give me pleasure? And by the way, what's the smallest step I could take? Like, okay, like doing, you know, folding the laundry might be overwhelming, but is the tiniest baby step that I can take toward getting laundry folded, like, like is that overwhelming? So it's these types of things that once you tune into something that you actually want, as opposed to something you're supposed to do, or something you'd have to do. Like I tell this to my addicts all the time. That you know, look, as long as your motivation for for you know getting sober is look, somebody's on my ass about it, you know, you will continue to be an addict. <laughs> like you really will. Like, like I mean, like, like it doesn't even matter who it is. Like, oh God, the only reason I'm doing we saw this in the resurrection of Jake the Snake, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, like as long as the only uh the only uh thing that was kind of uh pushing him toward change was, you know, his you know, people were in his life telling him he should clean up. What really made the difference for him was when there was something on the horizon that he actually wanted, right? Like he wanted to perform at, like at first it was the Royal Rumble, but then it turned into like that raw, you know, that, mm. like that's actually when we tune into things that we actually like and yeah. that, actually, that, that make our brain light up and then make it give us kind of little tingles. Like that's where it makes a difference and, and breaking cycles and stuff. So that's a long answer to a short question. But that's, I, think, uh, that's me. <laughs> I, I think I think it's 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 ultra personal for me in that really like I'm I wasn't bringing that up just to do that dumb joke, but I mean it was fun to do. But uh, I mean I'm someone who has been needing some structure in life. Yeah. I yeah. and uh, and having having. Uh, a basket of a basket of laundry in my room unfolded is not structure yeah. and uh, I, I want that I, I the, the reason let me just tell you Glenn the reason I asked you to do the show is because I, I I I need some help that's right. I, I need I need I need you to I need you to treat me like I'm one of your patients and uh, and sort of Sort of ask me all the questions that you'd ask somebody like me, who uh, who needs help. <laughs> are we still talking about the laundry? We're talking about a broader thing, man. 
Uh, you know, I think it's all encompassing. It's all encompassing. <laughs> so, what do you need help with? What do you got? Like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, I'll just take it. I'll take whatever. <laughs> no, because I'm really not. I'm also. I mean, I have my my like my my tough guy too proud moments. Like, yeah. and I have my like. I don't ask for help, and I don't. I don't let people in. Yeah. really that much and i have that that same thing almost like where i said like i'm weird with the word celebrity i'm weird with the word favor i'm yeah. weird with the word like you're welcome i i don't know why i have these weirdnesses with these these phrases and and praises like i this is i i i am uncomfortable about religion i'm uncomfortable about um it's, it's so weird i and I want to try to try to uh, be sensitive about this. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait for this. This is going to be good. Yeah, hit us, hit us, Corey. Okay, so um, <clears throat> my girlfriend's a Buddhist, right? Mm -hmm. um, like she, she's like, um, like she has like the Gohans in, and like she chants at that, and that that that's like, super important to her. Yeah. And um, and she talked to me about like meditating with her or something. And I, I had I, I mean, I had done it a bunch of times, but I just uh, had to I finally w got to the point where I was like, I'm sorry, I just it doesn't do anything for me. I, and uh, I, I don't want to be a jerk and I don't want to ruin your thing. This thing works for you. But I know that the, the that like screaming at this dartboard like it's not it's like you're also then saying like people's names like these are uh, these are humans who are flawed like who maybe accepted being some false prophet and uh, and maybe i, I don't want to idolize people like i i not not only idolize people because they're flawed but the people who were entrusted to carry on what these people wanted to carry on are also flawed. Sure. And uh, I went, I didn't think I'd talk about this, but I went to, um, it was a couple years after, a couple years after Aaron died, maybe, maybe a year or two after Aaron died. Um, one of his friends asked me if I would go with him to a Buddhist gathering. And, uh, and they were doing they were holding they were holding the beads and they were chanting into the gohanzen and and uh it was it got real it got real quiet and then they started chanting again and then his friend turned to me and like serious as possible and he like he was like whoever's house it was he was like whatever her name was he was like i'd really like to f her and i was like what are you doing? <laughs> like this is—you just peopled this up. Like this was a thing that like could have helped people. That's like you—you peopled it too much, and you like you—you you, you just you just <laughs> ruined any idea I can have about turning this into a, a thing more sacred than what I'm already doing. I've already got a thing that works for me, but no, actually at that point I hadn't. I didn't have a thing that worked for me, but I'm always in the process of finding the thing that works for me 
-hmm. And I don't think that was it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't mean to take that out on my girl. Like, I didn't mean to, to be a dick to her. And I still feel like a dick if I say it now. Mm -hmm. Like, I still feel like I feel guilty for coming at her thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, when you say something that worked for you, that, that you were looking for, that you were kind of still, like, always kind of in the process mm -hmm. of looking for, like, like, what does that mean? Well, like... I, I, I burn my stuff. I, like, I burn my my sage, my my Palo Santo, my Kapal. I, I sit in silence, where I mean, it's it's boring. Yeah, I'm the chairman of the board on that one. <laughs> but I mean, I have my I have my 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 just my 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 spiritual practices because at at the same time, all of that stuff's so not guaranteed. And the, the same thing we were talking about, like, oh, I'm not going to tell you what your meaning of life is. I'm not going to tell you why you're here on this planet. But, like, that's – nobody can. Mm -hmm. And some of these people who have these books that were also written by people, like, to me, I just get – it kind of pushes me a little bit away from – because it's too people-y. Sure. And, and there's just, like, these uh, these holy people, these sacred – like idols that people looked up to were abused by these people and mm -hmm. and and i don't i don't want to participate in that i want to participate in my own my own practice of uh gratitude for this planet gratitude for this life that i have gratitude for all the things that i have and the blessings and the privileges that i've been so so blessed with mm -hmm. that I don't um I I don't I don't really think it's like a god or no god or uh I don't think it's like a I don't think it's like a, a atheism thing or a, a, I don't I don't I don't think of it that way. Right. It, everything is sacred to me. That's why I have the drum. I beat the drum. Everything's sacred. What <laughs> What I've been started, uh, I started to do. I don't know if you saw it on my on my Twitter, that I it says the spark on yeah. my on my uh, profile. Yeah. Because like that's that's the life I'm really living. Because everything is. This, I started a faction in DCW called the, and I'm calling it the spark because I started to gather these people who I believe all have potential to not only get themselves to the next level but to prove my and prove my greatness mm -hmm. into getting to me to the next level. Sure. And I say, uh, in my opinion, potential is like an unlit match and we are the spark. So that's the whole idea of like, uh, when you said you, you like peppered in the word spark, like four or five times in what you were saying, I was like, yep, that's my word. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely, man. I, and, and I think what you're describing in terms of skepticism and, and disillusionment with yeah, like like systems of belief or expression or I mean worship but not I I think that a lot of people could strongly identify with that because 
of my people a lot that a mistake that a lot of people make when they're setting goals is they set a goal for like, okay, I want this thing or I want this job. I want a relationship with this person, this car, whatever. And I say, you know, look, maybe take a step back from that and think about, okay, why would I want that car? Or why would I want that relationship? Or why would I want that job? Why would I even want that salary? That, you know. And the answer is that really we want things because we want to feel certain things, right? So, you know, like I want a job because I want to feel something. I want to feel accomplished. I want to feel secure. You know, I want a certain amount of money in the bank because I want to feel, you know, financially secure and I want to feel efficacious and I want to feel maybe powerful or whatever it is. I want a relationship with a certain person because I, because of what I think that relationship will help me feel. But it's all about these feeling states that we actually want. It's not actually about the stuff. It's about these feeling states. And when you're talking about, about these rituals or these practices that have been developed kind of over the centuries, you know, like, so your girlfriend's meditation practice or the Roman Catholic mass or whatever. Yeah, these were all kind of evolved because groups of people in parts of the world found that these rituals or these practices helped facilitate a feeling state for them. But what I hear you saying is that, you know, look, I have a slightly different, you know, conditional history. I have a slightly different um, um, neurochemistry, right? And so the feeling state that this facilitates for her, you know, it's just not clicking for me. And we each kind of have to find, that's why I say, you know, don't fall in love with your goals, right? Like get really clear about what you're looking to feel, but then be super flexible. That's, I mean, it's actually an old Tony Robbins formula. It's like where he says, you know, look, get very clear about what you're looking to feel, but be super, super flexible about, about what um, you imagine or what you'll accept might get you there. Cause I, you know, what you're describing with the spark mm-hmm. sounds to me, just as you describe it, like it sounds to me like a profoundly spiritual thing. Like, I mean, you're talking about in the context of the business and, Never, but but we're, but we're really talking about the spiritual. We're really talking about the non-material, because you're not talking about something that can necessarily be measured in terms of salary or advancement or whatnot. Like you're talking about the evolution of the fulfillment of potential. Mm-hmm. Not and not just for you, but like I think it's super important that you contextualize in terms of like, well, they're helping me get there as I've been as I'm helping them get there. Like there's something about that that mutuality and that exchange that I think is essential to to who you are. Like I can yeah, I can sense that just in, in how you run your podcast. You know, and like like how you reach out to people. Because look, anybody can have a podcast. Okay, but, you know, Lord knows we don't need another white guy with a with a podcast of him talking to himself. Like you could just choose to do that, but you choose to do it another way. You choose to reach out to people and have this this kind of free flowing exchange. <laughs> Like most podcasts won't even do that. Like most podcasts, like one of the reasons why I asked for topics is because like I get asked to do a lot of podcasts. They're like, okay, we, you know, you're the trauma guy. Talk about this. You're the self-help guy. We're going to talk about this, right? You're like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think, I think we're we're cool enough with each other that we're just gonna we're gonna <laughs> have a good time and we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But I think it speaks to who you are and and what you both crave and get out of relationships, right? You know that 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 free flowing is 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 really 
important to like like it's a like i think of it like to use yet another wrestling metaphor like you could you can take it to the the difference between the way say world wrestling entertainment heavily scripts most of its promos and, and these kinds of things versus um all elite wrestling you know famously kind of gives their performers a little more kind of flow right and granted it helps when you have performers like chris jericho and cm punk who are really good at that kind of thing um but i kind of think of you as as, as kind of like again like that that flow and that give and take is very important to you and and it's i mean it's a practical thing for your podcast but it's also a spiritual thing with you as well right i mean something i since you brought that up only only going to say this because you brought it up i've i've been saying for years on the wrestling podcast like how badly the the boys need the business back like the control of the business needs to be given back to the men and women who are out there doing it because if 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 like they have the personal stakes uh, like they're like oh well you know what if I, oh I, if i mess that up eh, whatever but mm -hmm. if it's something they came up with and it's that important like that's that's why m some of my segments and some of some of my matches are so important because i came up with it some yeah. of the some of the some of the moves and some of the the, the spots they're all carefully crafted and that's mm -hmm. why i think about with um with with comedy that's why i like comedy so much because it's i've crafted this just as if i've crafted the pro wrestling matches because it's like i i want to be great at those things mm -hmm. I, I, i'm not saying i am i'm not i'm just saying i i know i'm getting good but it's all an evolving process you bet you bet Ownership of our efforts is is really important. There, there was a psychologist named Nathaniel Brandon who had a theory of of self esteem. In fact, he was in the in the it was in the sixties that 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 he was one of the first to to really consistently use the term self esteem. Like we hear it all the time now. But mm -hmm. Nathaniel, but Nathaniel Brandon was really one of the first guys to write a lot about self-esteem and he had like so his theory of self-esteem says that self-esteem has two big components um and, and they both have to be kind of working for you to have high sustainable realistic self-esteem like the one component is what he called efficacy like so you have to believe that you're capable of doing the stuff you need to do to be a human in the world right like, so we're not going to have high self-esteem if we view ourselves as basically incompetent. Mm -hmm. And the other part of self-esteem, according to Brandon, was kind of this feeling of deservingness. Like this idea that, look, at the very least, I, I don't deserve to be punished. Like, I'm, a, I'm as deserving of a good life as anybody else on the planet, right? So it's hard to have high self-esteem if we don't feel like we can do stuff and live life. And it's hard to have high self-esteem if we don't feel like we deserve to do stuff and, and, and live life. And what I really hear what you're, you know, when, when you talk about ownership of one's work product, whether it's in comedy or wrestling, you, know, I mean, you could take it to anything, right? You could take it to psychology, you could take it to writing, you could take it to anything. But, you know, it really speaks to like our, our work output in a lot of ways if again if we've built a life and a career around following our our joy 
following our bliss, following our values, right? Our work output is necessarily going to reflect um, our sense of both efficacy and deservingness, right? You brought up Wayne Dyer earlier. Yeah. And I just, I have this quote from him that I always mention. Mm. And he talked about ego. Yeah. He talked about ego and referred to it as edging God out, breaking <laughs> E-G-O, edging God out. And I started thinking about like, if that is in the, in his mind or in, and anything, if that's where holier than thou comes from, like that mm -hmm. whole saying the phrase holier than thou comes yeah. from an ego being so big that you've edged God completely out. You're holier mm. than. Uh, There's a whole history. So one of the things that I'm really interested in, so I'm Catholic. And one of the things that I'm really interested in is, is the history of the Catholic Church, especially the saints. And, and there's a whole tradition, the Benedictine tradition that talks a lot about that. Like, so St. Benedict who started the Benedictine order within the Catholic church really believed that most of our problems come when, when we have refused to, um, or eh, he would say that, that most of our problems arise when we get this idea that we know better than God. And, and you don't have to just like in our current context, when it's God, we can say, you know, spirit universal intelligence whatever the, the creator right the creator of this all like, like yeah like, like wayne dyer would probably would, would probably say creation itself like like right. he talked about creation as as wayne dyer talked about creation as like the ocean mm -hmm. like it's, it's so vast and, and has so much volume that we can't even imagine and by the way when we want something from creation he's like you know like we think that we're asking for so much really we're, we're taking a little cup and we're scooping a little bit of water out of that, that, that vast ocean. Like there's so much water there. We can't even imagine it. Right. But when we're in our ego, um, we think that this cup is like huge, right? Because if we think we're this important, we can't possibly imagine this big vast ocean in contrast. Wayne Dyer talked about that stuff a lot. Like, like one of his big shticks was, um, he had a, a whole thing uh, called getting in the gap. I don't know if you're familiar, but, but, but he talked about like, like he, it, it was a kind of a combination meditation technique slash life philosophy where the, the metaphor he used was, you know, look, what really creates, and, and this, I think this is an old Zen metaphor. It's like, you know, what really creates music is not the notes, but the space between the notes, right? The gap between the notes. Like what's the difference between a B flat and a C? Well, there's space there, right? Like in order to go from a B flat to a C, you need to, there needs to be some, even the briefest moment of silence there. And he says like getting in that gap is really where we can find not just peace and, and, and centeredness, but that's really where we find our creativity and that's really where we find our joy. And, and he talked as, as an example of getting in the gap, like he would use, um, like you could use a Christian prayer, like you could use like the Our Father. But the idea is between the words, because what are words except for these noises that we make with our face, right? They really, they really mean nothing if they're divorced from the space between the words. And he'd say, okay, so as you say this prayer, I want you to get in the gap between the words, right? Pay attention. That's where between, we're... Pay attention in between the blinks, as Satsang would say. 
at, at, at very much, very much. And he'd mm-hmm. say, you know, the, 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 that's where you have space mm-hmm. where, where ego is not even a thing, right? Because what mm-hmm. is ego? Ego is us putting our bullshit out there. It's us talking. Mm-hmm. But the space is where there is no ego. Here's you know, it's, it's, it's a funny, um, I, I, I just tried this on stage this week. It's not, it's brand new and I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm just working it out at this point, but I talked, I try to talk about, um, I talked about like the spaces in between jokes in between laughter. That's the scariest part to be inside of when you're on stage and you got a good laugh from the first thing. And then the next thing gets no laugh. Um, it feels like, you know, in a movie when the, like the bully's been picking on a bunch of kids and then they're like, all right, we're going to team up. We're going to team up and we're going to take him on. He's not going to hurt anybody anymore. And then the, the guy in the front's like, all right, we had it with you. All right. We had it with you standing up to you. And he's like, oh yeah, you and what army me and these guys, right guys. And then there's nobody there. That's what doing a joke on stage and no one laughing at it feels like. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, al- yeah. and also, when doing that joke, or just trying that, crickets. Crickets. <laughs> of course, right? Of course. I was like, Next, so, so, sure, so sure. I'm like, oh, right, right guys? <laughs> A really good example of, of, of what you're talking about, honestly. Um, did Steve Allen wrote a book titled Funny People, and it was about kind of these old school vaudeville comedians, right? Mm-hmm. So he writes about like Jimmy Durante and and um, Milton Berle, and one of the guys he writes about is Jack Benny, and, and he gives as as an example of of Jack Benny. So Jack Benny started out as a lot of these guys did as an old radio guy which meant that his timing had to be you know, really on because, you know, look, I mean, it's, it's all about the rhythms and it's all about the, it is all about the space between whatever, like on the radio. We just take it back to wrestling real quick and say that yeah. JR constantly says, maximize your minutes. Uh, there you go. Absolutely. You. Absolutely. Maximize your minutes, bro. And the example that, uh, that that Steve Allen gives in this book that I, that I really love that that I, I looked up the bit later because I mean it's, and it's a really it's a relatively well known Jack Benny bit, but he so his comedy a part of his comedy persona was that he was cheap, right? And uh, so the so the entire sketch is um, he's walking home, Jack Benny is walking home at night, and a stick up guy school stick up guy comes up and he's got the gun pointing his ribs and he says okay he says, don't move this is a stick up god he says okay your your money or your life and the entire joke is there's this long pause because he's cheap and he doesn't want to part with his money even when a gun is in his ribs right and the crowd the the, the live studio audience starts laughing even though a joke hasn't been told, like all there is is silence. It's a gap, right? But the longer he draws it out, right? But the gap is the joke. And then finally the stick up guy is like, come on, buddy. I said, your money or your life. And Benny exasperatedly says, I'm thinking it over. <laughs> but the point is that, that again, that joke doesn't work if it's just a joke. Like, like if it's just your money or your life, I'm thinking it over. 
it only works because there's that gap. So I think you're very much onto something there. That that that, 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 that gap would make me so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am so uncomfortable in those gaps. <laughs> I cannot. I, in wrestling too, the same the same thing. Between in between the moves, in between the stuff I'm I'm wanting to do. Yeah. Uh, in between getting crowd reactions from moves, yeah. uh, I'm so uncomfortable. Uh, and I'm like, uh, am I bombing right now? That's right. this is this is like something I've had to like build up comfort because mm -hmm. I know in the first years of wrestling, they give you a, they give you a five minutes. They give mm -hmm. you a, for me, I mean at least. Give, giving you like five to eight minutes or something like that. It's always like I don't have enough time to get over everything I want to get over, and I have to rush through it to make sure to make sure it's correct. And that's that's it's it's a balance I'm just now finding. And it's right. funny, a couple of days ago I just said it uh, that I think I don't think I was a good wrestler until after I came back from the brain surgery, mm. like I didn't have confidence. Like I didn't uh, until that. And it's weird that that somehow turned me into a better wrestler. Like, I, I don't know how, but, but like, it, it, it's like that. I was like, right before, right before it happened, right before I had to go out, it was like, I was getting pushed everywhere that I was working into a higher level. Like, to where I'd start being main events on shows. Mm -hmm. And then and then it got cut off. And I came back and I learned how to be a main eventer. And that's not something I I don't think that's something anybody told me that that was what I was going to do. I don't think that that was something that I knew that I had to do, but I felt like I was in the gap of that you know what i mean sure. i was in inside of the gap of that and then that's that's still like why i said the, the, those uncomfortable silences that still happen and uh i think the the weird part was uh, i had a i had this promo when i when i the first night i won the first night i won the dcw championship like the the main belt the main event belt mm -hmm. um i I had I was incredibly emotional from other stuff that was going on in the world, other circumstances surrounding that match. And I got on the microphone and I was saying, and I was saying something like, eh, this has been incredibly uh, incredibly emotional day, um, m incredibly emotional week. And uh, I wanted to I wanted to uh, say how grateful I am to you guys for not giving up on me and that kind of stuff. I, and, and for sure, I didn't get those points out correctly, but I took a second in that silence and go, wow, it's so cool that it's so silent in here and everybody's listening. And the second I said that, a fan in the audience screamed, no one cares. And then <laughs> I, I had a breakdown. I had a real, real breakdown where I... I charged towards the fans and I had the microphone in my hand and I said, fuck you, buddy. I've been working my ass off. Who are you? You're nobody. Fuck you. Get over here. And and then they, then they, then they took the belt from me. They stripped me of the belt because oh, it was man. a family show. 
but but it was like uh, like that those those silences yeah. are are something that I'm still working on <laughs> trying to not feel like I'm standing up to a bully by myself. <laughs> yeah, you bet. You bet. There, there's a form of, of therapy called dialectical behavior therapy that um, is, is used a lot in the treatment of borderline personality disorder. And it has di DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, has a lot of its roots in kind of the, the that old Buddhist philosophy of, of radical acceptance and sitting with something that's uncomfortable, right? And, and I mean, one of the reasons for that is, you know, people who have borderline personality disorder tend to be really... Um, anxious, impulsive, and that's, so they do self-harmful things a lot. So like what DBT tries to teach is how to like, okay, I'm going to radically accept without judgment, without trying to change it, like I'm going to just be here with these feelings or these self-destructive impulses and not do anything with it, right? Like like I'm not going to allow my, my urges or my feelings to bully me into doing something that would be destructive. So I think that sense that you're describing, that silence is like, it, it feels like, you know, like I, I'm here on my own confronting a bully, kind of that bully in a larger existential sense. Like sometimes there's an actual bully, but you know, kind of in, in, in a larger philosophical sense you know, that, that that bully can be conceived of as our habits or our, you know, our impulses, um, our pain um our campaign yeah our, cam our campaign <laughs> our expectations right yes yeah or, or others expectations or or whatnot so there's there's a lot there like you, you know what also occurs to me though is i mean speaking of good old jr one of the things that he's constantly talking about is like what makes the difference between the really really great performers and and those who will never quite make it is they know how to sell and, and, and how to feed a comeback <laughs> and how to feed a comeback yeah yeah but selling is is something that that do, I, do you know I, what that do you know what that means how to feed a comeback yeah yeah because sure okay. so, so you get heat right like the heel gets heat on the baby face and and then like like the heel then allows himself to get his butt kicked as 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 the baby face comes back um, <laughs> yeah convincingly feed that comeback but the point is that you know when, when jr says that look i mean the art of selling i imagine that's something that like and I've, I've never been a performer in the ring so i don't know but i can only imagine that that's the kind of thing that that's the kind of gap that's uncomfortable to be because you're not doing anything proactive like you're literally like reacting mm -hmm. right and you and you're also in you know danger. I'll put that in scare quotes of looking weak because, like by definition, if you're selling, you're getting your butt kicked. And then, well, like also, I mean, also the the one of the main issues I've always had is uh, people people saying that I look like I'm stupid or people uh, insulting my intelligence in some way. But when yeah. I'm up there and I'm holding a microphone and I'm saying stuff yeah. like I. I'm dreading in the moments someone saying that I'm stupid or that I'm coming across as stupid or something like that. That's a thing that 
it, it, it was a really, really funny thing. Uh, I, I stopped wearing t-shirts on stage that would like, that would, people would think were funny or great shirts or something because people would, would talk to me after the set about the shirt I was wearing and not about the jokes I was telling. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's, Oh, that's a real funny shirt. I'm like, yeah, but what about the jokes? I just, did? <laughs> how about the, the finely honed craft that I just displayed right. yeah. and, and, and took a risk. And explain to I hadn't been working on this shirt <laughs> on other mics. Nope. It wasn't wasn't trying this shirt out. Just kind of honing the, the my, my shirt game. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I I give credit all the time to this this Philly comic. His name is Joe Joey Doc. Uh, mm -hmm. Joe Doherty. Uh, he 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 started real young. Uh, I remember being at, at shows with him, at Mike's with him. He was only like 17, 18 years old. And uh, he did a bit where he said, uh, he when he got off stage, someone came up to him and said, hey man, you're really brave. You're really brave up there. And he goes, yeah, I was going for funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But... <laughs> <laughs> so I always contribute that to I contribute that when I talk about the shirts, I'm not going to wear, I'm not going to wear some, I'm not going to wear a shirt that says, oops, I crapped my pants up on stage and then be like, ah, that was a funny sketch. Ah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think it was the last time I wore a Patty's Irish pub shirt mm -hmm. to a, uh, to a comedy thing. And someone said something to me about how much, how funny always sunny in Philadelphia is. <laughs> and I was like, shut up. <laughs> and I, I i have to like find a way to uh depersonalize people's comments about whatever shirt i'm wearing yeah. like uh, i i got i was wearing a i was wearing a dunder mifflin shirt yeah uh and <laughs> and i was at i went to 7-eleven and the guy was like hey man that's a funny show and i was like thanks <laughs> I had nothing to do with it, but thanks. Thanks for, thanks for noticing. I'll tell all the other writers on that show that you, the guy at 7 Eleven, said good job. <laughs> or, I don't know, I'll, I'll put a different spin on that. Or, or maybe he was trying to connect with you as a fellow fan of the show oh sure yeah that's absolutely what he was trying to do and i derailed it <laughs> <laughs> here i just gave you all these compliments about how you like to connect and give and take and whatever like ah screw you um it reminds me i mean it, it coincidentally enough and and i swear this actually happened like i mean it, it, it's, it's relevant to the kind of the the, the interest that you and i share in pro wrestling but but it happens to be relevant to what we're talking about. I was in an airport years ago, and I was wearing the, the, the um, an old style Macho Man T-shirt. You remember, like the like the purple with the sunglasses and and, yeah, yeah. and whatever. And the TSA screener um, stopped the entire line, like as I was going through. Like she stopped the entire line. She looks at my shirt, and she says, "Hmm." She goes, "That was an entertainer." That's <laughs> just like. And in that moment, because like you know, like wrestling shirts are the kind of thing that like if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't, and and, and what you're gonna do. But just in that moment, I was very just really aware that 
we were sharing an experience as a fan of Randy, as fans of Randy Savage. So that's what I think about when, when someone's like, hey, that's a funny shirt. Like he's looking for a human connection, Corey. <laughs> let him connect. Open. But you said a moment ago that you struggle with kind of that let, letting people in kind of, kind of mm. letting yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I'm, I'm. That's that said, it's super. Like what you were saying, I like. I, I want you to know that I hear what you were saying immediately before that. That is, it's super obnoxious when you, you know, you've you've worked hard to 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 hone a bit and, and, and whatever, and the only thing they remember is the stupid shirt that you were wearing. Like that's that's obnoxious. Like that's that sucks. I, I, I try to say like, oh, if you're gonna take anything, I'll always throw that into something that I think is like pretty pretty important for me to say like i don't only do jokes to do jokes and get laughs i want to say some stuff that's important so i want to make sure i say if you take nothing else away from this make sure you take this and not mm -hmm. what funny shirt i was wearing right right what's uh so all of the things that that you try like the important things that you try to say kind of in your act, like if you could boil them down to like, like kind of the, the, the take home message that, that you want your audience to take away, like what kinds of things that you want them to take away? Uh, I, same thing with ma managing expectations, mm -hmm. managing expectations. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I, I'll, I'll say a thing that I'm like, oh, I hope that next time somebody experiences this, they'll think about me doing this bit. Even right. if they don't remember it was me that did it, they'll just be like, ha, ah, that was a, this guy did a thing. And he said that. Yeah. So I, it's, it's, a, it's a little, it's a little, uh, it's a little um, legacy. It's a little legacy issue that I probably have, but it, it, for sure it's, it's important. I think there's importance inside some of that, but I think a good amount of times when people come to see comedy they're not ready to hear the important stuff that's why those silences get me so so much because i go ah this is important for you to listen this is important for you to 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 pin this for like later oh we're like oh yeah that reminds me of this time this guy told a joke that fell flat and you heard crickets oh that you know, comedy has a lot. I mean, I don't know anything about the art form or the industry or, or whatnot, but but it occurs just as you're speaking. Like like it occurs to me that that comedy has a lot in common with what I was talking about a moment ago of of um, hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Like so, the essence of hypnotherapy is I have these suggestions, like on post hypnotic suggestions that I'm going to weave into this what we call an induction a hypnotic induction where i will do things like either a guided relaxation thing or i'm going to tell stories or i'm going to use metaphors or whatever but so there's the one thing over here that's the actual thing i want you to take away and the suggestion but then there's this other thing that i'm doing over here that's going to kind of keep you entertained or keep you distracted or keep you otherwise focused so that it's not exactly trickery like i'm not trying to disguise the suggestion but I'm also trying to kind of create a bifurcated experience so that it's not just I'm hitting you over the head with a suggestion or I'm just entertaining you with, you know, the story and the metaphors, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, comedy, it, it occurs to me, it's kind of the same way. Like I, I was thinking about this 
the other night, um, a few friends and I went to see here in Chicago, Pat Oswalt, who is, I mean, really as best I can tell, again, I don't really know anything about the art form, but he seems to be a kind of a master of exactly what we're talking about. And so far as, I mean, yeah, man, like, like he'll talk about when you boil it down, some really existentially important things. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got social justice messages and he's got, uh, you know, like, like you know, humanity messages. And, 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 and there's a guy who's had, you know, real tragedy happen in his life, you know, his wife passed away and, and not, um, but talk about a, a home skill of kind of weaving that into this, you know, material that, will make you laugh regardless of kind of what your politics are and what your life experiences and, and, and whatnot. I just have a real respect for kind of that, 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 that skill set. Talk about also uh, a guy who can really use those pauses. Like, like, <laughs> I, like, like, like really, really has no problem <laughs> making you wait for that. <laughs> for that next the, the Bill Burr special when he, when uh, it got quiet and, uh, <laughs> And and someone screamed out "woo!" and he's like, "I'm okay with silence. If it's not good, if it's not good, don't do anything, and I'll move on." You know, you know, I I just had a memory that again, I'll tell you, I I wouldn't tell many people about, but again, since we're both wrestling guys, WrestleMania four. So I was a real little kid, um, and and it was a night. It must have been in 1988. And it was it was the WrestleMania where they did the they just done the big angle with with Hulk Hogan losing the title to Andre the Giant who tried to sell it to the Million Dollar Man and they wouldn't allow that so the title's vacant they're having a tournament for the title so anyway I was a real little kid but it was kind of the first you know year or so that I was really into wrestling and so my dad Macho Man. Uh, Macho Man, uh, 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 Honky. So, so Macho Man won the tournament that year, mm -hmm. and the year prior is the match that everyone remembers, like so WrestleMania three, right? The year right, prior right. Was, Steve was, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But the final of the tournament was was Savage DiBiase. But anyway, but my point yeah. is, yeah, I, I was I was I was a big fanboy at the time. I was a big fanboy. I can't believe, can't believe I'll admit this on a podcast. I was a big fanboy of Strike Force, Rick Martel and Tito Santana, like the ultimate okay. white bread baby face. Uh huh. That's that's, that's, that's a, nothing that's to a, be ashamed about. There's no shame there. A fifth grader thing to be into. But anyway, well, I, I had a, I had I had Strike Force sneakers that were uh, that were oh, yeah. Kmart brand sneakers that made me think of that made me think of Tito and there Rick all the time. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Then they broke my heart at WrestleMania Five, but that's a different story. But my point is that so they had the, the live event at, at Atlantic City, but but this was in the day when pay per view was still kind of a pain in the ass, right? You had to go down and get the the equipment and rent it and and, and blah blah blah. So instead of doing that, my dad took me to see it at, at a closed circuit venue. Like a movie theater, or something. yeah, and 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 it was really great. It was it's one of my best memories of childhood because you had a bunch of local wrestling fans, and and, and you know, cheer at, and it was great. But my point 
the, the reason why I'm remembering this is we're talking about pauses and silences and, and the cutting of promos and, and, and whatnot. There's a famous promo uh, during WrestleMania 4 where Andre the Giant is being interviewed by Bob Uecker. And it's the promo that he ends with kind of putting sure. his, yep. his hands around Bob. Mm-hmm. But there's a leading up to that, like Andre, this is his first couple of years as, as a, as a heel and Andre had really gotten good at kind of this, this intimidating, you know, he like stare into the camera and with his big deep French voice kind of, you can't understand a word he's saying, but it's intimidating. And, and the theater had gone kind of deathly quiet as Andre was giving his promo. And it was a really good promo. Like it was, again, kind of this, this intense. Uh, rah, rah. <laughs> the one guy in the audience in our theater breaks the silence. Like Andre is talking, but this one guy breaks the silence, <laughs> goes, fuck you. <laughs> and everybody <laughs> burst into like, like cheering. Now, now that's, Talk about being uncomfortable with silence because, again, things have got really quiet and this guy just kind of broke all this tension. But what I love about this memory is this is a thing that no one's going to remember unless you happen to be in the WrestleMania 4 closed circuit viewing in Des Moines, Iowa in 1988. (laughs) So so me and like 50 other people have this memory. (laughs) Fuck you. So, so, uh, do you remember the movie Angels in the Outfield? Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. It was uh, Danny Glover and uh, Tony Danza was like a pitcher. (laughs) Tony Danza and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Christopher Lloyd. Oh yeah. Uh, (laughs) There's a part where, like, there's a part where um, it gets like it gets like super quiet like there's no soundtrack at, or anything it's like it's like they're they're like uh tony dance is about to pitch a ball and it gets like super quiet and it's like like packed theater and uh my friend as soon as as soon as it got all quiet and it was quiet for a while my friend just went <laughs> <laughs> I never I I I really want to watch that movie again just to make a fart noise at the end of that time. I love it. I love it. But, well listen, I, I I have one question. Like we've been going for a couple hours and we should mm-hmm. probably we should probably wrap it up, but I but I have a question and it has to do with expectations. Well, well, I was going to I was going to actually give you the floor here for a second yeah. to ask me anything uh, on the record that you'd that's, want the answer to. That's good so, because cause I've got it. Get, I've got here it. Here you go. And, and we're going to we're going to go after the one of the demandments of 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 Corey Mania, Castlemania, which is manage expectations. So when when we spoke last time, so I came, uh, the only reason we know each other is because you wanted, and, and I'm not going to say anything mean here, I'm not going to say anything negative, so don't don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason we met each other is because I noticed that you had tweeted at, at James Arthur Ray, and you'd said you're, you're kind of a, a dream podcast get for me, and, that, and, and I, of course, had to interject myself into the conversation, like, ah, he's a... He's a heel. Have me on. Have me on instead. And, and, and we did. 
but um after that so 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 you had me on but then after that you actually got james arthur ray as as a podcast guest and mm -hmm. i got and i gotta say he defied my expectations i didn't think he would he would do it one because you had me on but but also because yeah again like like he kind of has a track record like you had said you know like my podcast is small potatoes and 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 so i i he proved me wrong he defied my expectations so have having interviewed james arthur ray who is a big get get for you tell me kind of what that was like what was that experience like for like i mean we all saw the podcast i mean i know what you talked about mm -hmm. etc but what mm -hmm. uh, for on a personal level what was that like for you um it was just a it was just a, a small checkpoint thing it wasn't like i didn't think it was a i never thought i think going into it going into it it was such a pain in the ass to set up yeah. and it was such a pain in the ass to get it to like and and it was a tough read like and he like it seemed like he kept making a smiley face but he wasn't smiling like it was like he it was like i would talk and he go like like he was listening to me and smiling at the same time so yeah. i was like am i giving a poor interview here like what's going and he was like and then i then i'd like i'd like laugh because i thought he was laughing and i was like miscommunicated like i didn't think that like it felt like a lot of the stuff that like i was like real easy go flow with you know easy going go with the flow kind of way and i think that maybe his expectations were that it maybe be more professional uh, i don't know mm. but yeah um <clears throat> it was cool so, so, say so I, you think he thought like, like it, it, it was cool to be able to say i did it it was cool to be able to say that I dreamed of doing something and I did it. It was cool to say that I wanted a certain guest and I got them, but uh, it, it didn't serve me in the way I wanted it to serve me. I guess like, it's not like he promoted it in any way. It's not like, you know, it's not like I got any new listeners from it, but it was, it's cool because he was a guy on the secret and the secret was important to me. Um, not not to say yeah. that it was not to say that it was bad uh, for sure it wasn't bad but it was just like confusing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh i and i probably uh, i probably got made i maybe i made something out of it that there wasn't as far as like mm -hmm. maybe feeling like i wasn't respected um mm -hmm maybe that's something i created but that's also like a maybe uh maybe maybe uh a, a, an ever-flowing narrative that i have in the back of my head is i'm not being respected like because because i don't have an audience because i mean i have an audience sure but not uh not a large audience not one that's mainstream enough for people who i want to be guests to actually be guests like I I reached out to um I reached out to Chris Jericho's agent and I yeah. I I said that that's my that's like a huge dream guest and uh, she, she wrote me back and was like what what's your downloads 
and I said, and I told her, and she was like, yeah, let us know when you get more numbers. You're not a big enough deal. Mm-hmm. Like, and I really, man, I felt like such a piece of shit on the bottom of a shoe. Yeah, like, and, and it's like, but like, what? Take a take a listen to the show. Tell me if you think it's bad. If you think it's bad, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But if you think you're just gonna easily push it off as being not a big enough deal because not enough people know it exists, sorry, I wasn't. A, sorry, I wasn't. I was never a big TV star in wrestling. Not yet. It hasn't happened. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I'm I'm continuing to beat the drum. That's why I got the drum here. Because this is ceremony for me. This is important for me. This is this is the record that's going to be kept for the rest of my life. This is a legacy shit. Like, this is going to be the shit that people come back to when I'm not here anymore to hear what I was really like. Because I'm not putting on a show. I'm not gathering notes. I'm not... I, I want it to be as cool as I'd want it to be if I was a listener of it. Yeah. And, that, and I, I want... I'd want my show to be a show I'd listen to if I wasn't me, just like I'd want my life to be like my life is if I wasn't me. If I looked at me and I'd, I'd go, ah, man, I, I'd want to I'd wanna be a pro wrestler who was doing stand-up comedy and also podcasting, regardless if uh, no one's hearing the tree fall, no one's hearing the drumbeat. That's, um, that's the, the part of the this structure that I'm struggling with, the part of the structure that I'm struggling with is the fact that like, we were also doing the wrestling podcast for, for like we did, we're doing it for seven or eight years. And, um, and uh, my, my co-host, the guy whose show it is uh, Rick Connor, my best friend, I was the best man at his wedding. uh, He was like, no one cares. I'm just going to walk away from it. And, uh, and then it's, it's, uh, it's like, I don't want to wrap my worth up in who cares or who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be great if more people cared for sure. Like that'd be rad. I'd really like that. But uh, my, my self-worth should not be affected by uh, n- n- somebody, somebody, not caring because (laughs) what's their show is it as good as mine (laughs) what 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 title belts have they held in wrestling (laughs) well i mean it it gets it gets wrapped up correct me if i'm wrong right like 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 it gets wrapped up and like you know there, there are to produce art of any kind like there's there's art for art's sake and and kind of the the joy and the satisfaction and the growth and and everything that you get from creating the art but there's also kind of that that piece of like well okay i also would love if this art was appreciated you know i mean it's 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 the old conundrum of of the indie the indie wrestler who's you know putting on amazing matches for you know 20 people in the bingo hall because like on the one hand they can take a lot of pride 
in that then it gives them joy and, and, and whatnot but on the other hand like like man how amazing would it be to to actually have that be seen and appreciated and it's important to kind of make that distinction that okay okay there's gratification on both ends by the way like like, like we shouldn't um like famously, it was one of CM Punk's big gripes that okay, like you know, look, I was was being watched by millions of people every week, but I didn't feel like I was doing this great work that I did when I was in the bingo hall in front of twenty people, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to, to to really be clear about about those those two sources of gratification. So I mean, I I, I hear that, I hear that. You know, something, something I've been calling it. So the reason <laughs> I, I ask about. Uh, about the say it again. Oh, something you've been calling it. I said this is this is breaking my heart. We're having a little bit of a, a connection issue. I've got you back now. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was saying uh, it's just that right, yeah. that that I I've been addicted to the drug of validation for far too long, and the validation that would come from people hearing and respecting the the amount of work I do and who I've been to get where I'm at right now, uh, it, it's it's weird because it's almost like I might as well put a a a note in a bottle and throw it in the water, you know, that's kind of how, um, how sometimes I'll feel. And sometimes I'll, I'll feel like it's a, a tree falling in the woods. And sometimes I'll feel like, man, I just tweeted something. That's such a great joke. Like <laughs> I just tweeted something that's such a great joke, but nobody cares. Cause I don't even have like 600 followers like mm-hmm. on Twitter, but they don't, they don't follow me, but uh, but then once they do follow me, I'm criticized for everything. So um, <laughs> I, I, I gotta I gotta strike that weird, strange balance. But but the thing is, that not all comes. I think with effort. I think that comes with that because if somebody wanted to like look at stuff I've said and and hold it under a microscope, mm-hmm. I want to go. All right. Well, you've had to make the effort to download my show. And listen to the whole thing to find something problematic. Maybe, hopefully, inside of that, you find some something that that's that, that's useful to you. Sure. And then uh, and apply that, hopefully. And, and and if you don't, the same as in my comedy. Later on, something comes up, and you're like, oh yeah, somebody did bring that up to me before, or I did mm-hmm. hear that. Uh, and the same thing with like, oh, the, the I want everything to serve every other thing. So my comedy, people go, oh, in his comedy, he talked about how he was a wrestler. Oh, let's check out his wrestling. Oh, he's a re- oh, he does comedy. Oh, and a wrestler. Oh, let's check out his podcast. And then so on and so forth and and what have you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, I, th- I think that's possible to to kind of scratch all of those itches to the extent that we kind of keep in perspective that um, you know the. We don't control other people, and, and and other people's reactions. Like there, there's so many things that go into other people's reactions. Like so, I'll just give you for an example. 
back in DC, one of the things that um, before I moved to Chicago, one of the things I did in my in my therapy practice in DC was I was working with um, specifically with men who were having difficulty in relationships, like starting relationships, meeting women. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's kind of trying to do a more respectable version of pickup coaching, right? Oh, like uh, like incels. Yeah, we don't we don't like that word, but but. Well, um, yeah, I'm, you know, it was, what's so, what's so funny. And I'll, I'll just, I'll throw uh, this real quick out there. There's yeah. this documentary that I watched about incels yeah. and, and, um, I, I watched it with my old roommate and we laughed our asses off. And then my coach came over, my coach came over and he, he watched it with us and he laughed so hard that he fell out of the chair in the dining room and we thought he was dead. Cause there was no noise coming from him. We, we he, cause he was like, he was laughing the kind of laugh where you can't breathe. And then he went, <laughs> and then he fell on the ground like hard and no sound was coming out. <laughs> but, but also that, that has in no way, anyway, a, a jerk way to um, make fun of incels. I don't want to do that because I was an incel as a kid. It's rough, man. I mean, I, I think when, you know, like when you find yourself at, at a certain life stage and, and you haven't had great modeling or reinforcement with social skills and self-confidence, it's, it's, it's tough stuff. But, you know, something that, that we hit a lot in, in doing that kind of, of work with, with men who are trying really hard to get better at meeting women and, and forming relationships and, and, and like, you know, how, how to, how to talk to women and, and, and whatnot was, you know, a lot of my guys carried into the, into the project, um, this attitude that, well, man, you know, this is entirely about me, like how talented I am, how, how good looking I am, how, how, smart I am, how funny I am, how desirable I am. And the first step to being really successful with being able to talk to women, generally speaking, I mean, there's no magic formula, but but one of the first steps that, that people who tended to be successful tended to grasp was this idea that, man, there's so much going on in the mind and life of, of somebody else, whether it's a woman you want to talk to at the bar or an audience member at a wrestling show that 70 to 80 percent of their reaction is going to have to do with the state they're in at the moment what's going on in their life you know their history of of what they find funny or attractive or like like whatever it is like there's so much that's out of our control that we we really can't internalize their reaction to us as as a, a judgment on us like i mean and to a certain extent it's a judgment on some aspects of the interaction we just had but it's truly not an evaluation of us. And I, and I used to tell my guys, my dating coaching guys, I, I used to tell me, you know, look, your goal is to uh, turn this into a numbers game because like the more women you talk to, the more, you know, you, you literally increase your odds of, of running across somebody who's in the right headspace, you know, has, you know, is, is even open to your approach, like is, is, is in a position to maybe get to know you, et cetera, et cetera. I would say the same thing to you that that you know something I you're doing that I really respect is the fact that you know you're even though your audience may not be where you want it to be right now 
like you're still putting material out there, out there, out there, because you know, like the more material you put out there, the more you run, you know, the, 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 you, you increase the chances that the right person will run across it that will be ripe for for the the, the shtick that, that you're laying down. I mean, again, like it's coincidence. Like what kind of a coincidence is that you and I would have ever met, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, and that only happened because you were out there tweeting at James Arthur Ray, right? You know, so I was, so you, I was applying the law of attraction. <laughs> you were better, better, better than James does, anyway. So again, so I won't be, I won't be mean to James. I, yeah, I, I will tell you just, just, just real quick this story to, to maybe put some of your, uh, of your experience with him in perspective. I gotta say, I, I'm, I'm sorry that you felt that that you were maybe not being respected in, in that interaction but with that him. Could, like I said, that could have been something just in my head. That. Sure. Sure. That I, I once again, when it comes to managing my own personal expectations, that's sure. that, that 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 that's fully on probably on me. Like if 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 you were to talk to James and we'd be like, oh, what was it like talking to Corey? He would probably be like, oh, it's fine. Like he, sure. I mean, I don't I don't think he would have had anything bad to say. Sure, sure. but I, I, think, I mean, I think I think maybe he might. I think he might have he might have no sold some of my jokes. <laughs> but, who, would know, who would know sell your jokes uh, boo. 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 no selling my jokes you jerks <laughs> um you know it's really funny is using wrestling terms with 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 people who aren't familiar with with wrestling terms uh, oh, man, man, yeah. you really, really no sold that one <laughs> sell it sell it anyway Sell it, Vince. Sell those kind of. Um, no, like I can tell you, like so. I used to be a big fan of James. Like if you've listened to the podcast Guru from from Wondery Media, we'll throw that plug in there. It's kind of the story of of James and and how he came to be and and you know the tragedy that happened in Sedona, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm I'm interviewed on that podcast, and and I I kind of tell the story that you know, look, I was a big fan of his even after the tragedy happened. Um, and this is something that I think James himself doesn't understand that I was still in his corner and kind of rooting for him after that, after that happened. Mm, right. And he and I were Facebook friends and he, he got out of jail and, and he was trying to kind of slowly rebuild his empire. And I, I sent him a private message to say, you know, look, while you're in jail, I went to graduate. This is true. While he was in, in prison was the time that I was doing graduate school for psychology. And I had gotten licensed as a psychologist. I said, you know, look, I know you're just out of prison. You're trying to make it work again. If I can ever do anything to help, let me know. And he was very cool to me. Like, like he was like, oh, yeah, thank you for the kind words, and then we'll be in touch. And then the messages kind of turned, uh, <laughs> like we would message back and forth a little bit, but it, it was turned like he's like, hey, he says, uh, he says, you know, I'm having this, this workshop. If you really want to help me, you can sign up for this workshop. I'd, I'd be like, you know, several hundred dollars to a thousand dollars and it became kind of clear what he was into right like it became yeah, that, kind that, of, was, that was that was money motivation like right that's, like that's kind of that's not very uh oh you want to help me you'll spend that's a, not really helpful that's just trying to that's like that's like trying to sell tickets to your to the show that you're on to your friends like yeah. in or or like trying to make them buy candy for some candy sale at your school like that's that's not like oh you're seriously helping me with this because 
you can find you can find 25 other suckers that join you on your I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm not saying that being on that I'm just I'm comparing suckers to buying candy from a, from a, a from a bake sale at school or whatever. Yeah. I mean the the point being that um I think James, this is just my observation of, of, of his behavior. And again, I'm not going to go down a dark rabbit hole here, but I think he has a vision for, for what he wants his career to be like. And I think he's kind of, I mean, I know he's, he's angry and disappointed that he was kind of at that height of whatever and, and, and had kind of the on fall. So I think that he views, you know, opportunities now through a very narrow lens of how can this help me rebuild? And so that might've been a little bit of what was going on there is that, that he himself, because like your podcast, like we've been talking, God, like two and a half hours, we've wrestling and comedy and interesting things about the universe and life, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think James is the type of guy who, who values that. Like I, I think he values like a really focused, like, okay, how are you going to help me sell my workshop? And so that might have been a little bit of, of, of what was going on, but um, but I was but I was I was happy for you. Like 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 I, I know when, when I, I in fact I, I messaged you when you got him as a guest. Like I'm like I, I truly was because I knew it was something that you wanted. Like I knew it was something that that you had been looking forward to, and and he was a dream podcast guest. So so mm-hmm. congratulations on on getting it done, man. Like that's that's I respect Thanks, that. Dude. Thanks, dude. Uh, uh, next next step, Chris Jericho. Next step. You know what, Corey? We we will manifest that. We will make that happen. We will attract what, that. What? What? Uh, I have I have a couple dream podcast guests, and uh, I actually have a ton of them. <laughs> but uh, it's funny that um, some of my some of my lists of people that I wanted to have on the show to like have on the record conversations with, I've I've got them all. Bu- I've got a bun- a bunch of them. Yeah. Like I'm, 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 I gotta, I gotta be proud of that more than yeah. I gotta be proud, more than I gotta beat myself up about uh, the fact that like, oh, I got this person who's like a name and a dream guest. And then that episode may have got like 30 listens on it or something. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, nobody cares. I'm stopping. <laughs> now you're again, man, I, I really respect and, and appreciate the fact that, that, I mean, you, cause you have not had an easy road. Yeah. I mean, like I, in, in any of the careers that, that you're chasing down. So, I mean, I, I really respect the fact that, you know, the, 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 the spark uh, remains strong and, and, and you continue looking for it. Like there, I think there would have been, you know, a large subset of, of people who would have been like, screw it, screw it. But here you are, man. And I, I respect that. That's really that's, um, that's worthwhile. Bring up. I'm gonna bring up one more time. My 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 one of my one of my best friends I've ever had. This man named Aaron Ganey. Uh, uh, he he was in the wrestling business and he took care of a lot of people. Like a lot of people slept at his house on his couch. He really got people booked on shows that had no business being in the business, but they just had a dream, and he would facilitate them with that outlet and really really be there for them but then they'd get a little something and then they wouldn't be there for him anymore uh and like sometimes they would not they would not reciprocate the the respect at all that he gave them and they didn't even earn and i said to him 
why do you keep doing this for people? Why do you keep doing this for people? And they're going to keep on doing it. And he's like, because if I stopped doing it, I wouldn't be me. Yeah. And uh, that that hits me. That hits me hard when I think about uh, continuing to beat this drum. You bet. <laughs> the drum, the, the drum. I will always sell the drum, man. The, the, the drum. Good. Good. <laughs> well, it, it's part of it, it. It's a part of my my in ring thing now. Like I, I I beat the drum on my way to the ring, and I mm -hmm. I I just as a, as a heel, I just I just made a guy. It, we did a, a match where if he lost a match to me, he'd be forced to join the spark, and he'd have to be my errand boy. Like he'd have to, <laughs> he'd have to be my lackey and and act like he respected me. Right? <laughs> and, and so after I beat him, I, I held the drum up and I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, hit the ceremonial drum and tell me you respect me. Like, and, and that was all, that was all like completely on the fly. I had no idea I was going to do that. And uh, the fans hated me for it. And, <laughs> and, and, and kudos to Des. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up. He, he like, he teased like he was going to hit the drum, like, and the fans were like, no. And he was like, mm. he like did this whole dramatic. It was, it, it was such a, it was such a play on those folks emotions. And you know what? It's important to me that those people will remember that night. You bet. Those, so some of those people who had never been there before, who don't know wrestling, will have seen that and been like, everybody was, feel, everybody was feeling something. You bet. You bet. Absolutely, man. That, that, that's almost an old, um, it, it reminds me of the, the kind of uh, angles that like Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty similar. Back in the day, uh, like, you know, because Andy Kaufman had the whole, you know, when, when he was wrestling women, uh, he would have the whole thing. It was like, you know, if you can beat me, then then you can, then I'll marry you right here in this ring. Like as if you'd want to marry somebody who, <laughs> you, know, you have to, but also the bongos. Like I thought when you were doing the bongo earlier, I'm like, that's, a, that's an Andy Kaufman bit. Like that's, that's amazing. Well, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey yeah. is on that list of, of dream guests. Oh yeah. Uh, dream hangs for sure. But him playing Andy Kaufman and hitting those drums was somehow incest inception in my brain. I I have I have I'm gonna I'm gonna uh Say, what was he? What was he saying in the, in the movie when he was hitting the drums? Like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start uh, screaming some of some of that stuff he was doing. There you go. There you go. Abu Dabu Dabu eh. Abu Dabu Abu But. Uh, I got I got two 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 or three more quick things yeah. and I'll send you off into the sunset with a hot dog and a handshake. It'd be a veggie hot dog. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it'd be a soy dog. Be a be a be a tofu dog, tofu pump. And they they uh they actually have like this this um this dressing you can put on it. It's made it's made from trees. Hmm. And it's vegan. It's fully vegan. It's called branch dressing. Oh, hey oh, hey oh! He's on fire tonight, kids. <laughs> I'm getting the A plus material here. Like this is this is amazing. It's amazing. But, uh, so 
any, I, I know I already told you, you can, you can ask me or tell me anything you want. Uh, is there anything else to that, that you'd like to say to me or ask me on the record? You know, Corey, to be honest, you know, you, in this entire conversation, you have been exactly who you are. And what, what I mean when I say that is like, I would expect nothing. Like I was excited when you contacted me to be on the show again, because, you know, whenever I have a conversation with you, it, I never expect anything other than we're going to talk for like two and a half hours and we're going to go all through the known universe. And there's going to be, you know, no moment where I think, you know, this guy's working me. Like there's no, there's never going to be a moment where I was like, this is a work. This isn't him. This sucks. It sucks. You hear how quiet he is in between the time he doesn't seem like he knows what he's going to ask me. Oh, this guy's unprofessional. This guy. How many, how many times are you going to say so in between stuff? How many times, how many times are you going to say like? What are you just trying to get your point across? Keep interrupting me. That's so I so I understand that 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 the point of, of of asking that kind of here at the end is like okay like so so here's the real stuff but you've been giving me the real stuff for the last couple hours so I am once again honored and and, and thrilled that that you gave me this opportunity to 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 be present with the greatness <laughs> that is that 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 is the the the, the, the Castlemania. So, so nothing springs to mind, but that's only because you've been so real with me for the last couple hours, man. Do you remember that? Thank you, by the way. Also, um, welcome. very, very welcome yourself. And I'm glad you feel seen, heard and safe hanging around and chatting with me and that uh, there's, and can tell that there's no real agendas. It's just that I know that, uh, I thought we'd have a really fun episode. Yeah. And I was right. I, I man, managed my expectations correctly. <laughs> do, do you have? Do you? Um, do you remember the audio time travel? That bit that we did the last time. Uh, remind me. Okay, so this this stuff's all outliving us, man. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the, the, keep, keep, keep going though. Yeah, I do. Remember. So on the record, I want to tell you. I'm going to tell you how grateful I am for your friendship. I'm grateful for all the all the nuggets that you get to keep dropping on on me, like knowledge, and and the, it's like you have a way of of taking something that I'm just saying or thinking and going. Here's where it's been researched, and here's what the evidence is, and here's the stuff stuff that you can turn it into applicable applicable. Uh, resources that have been there and have worked for other people. So I'm grateful to that. Very, very grateful to that. And I, I might've said it last time. I hope, hope it's a little more clear this time. I'm excited about this still just being the beginning of our friendship and whatever it turns into. Um, I'm always here for you. You call me anytime. You just, even if you just need a friend for your, if you ever feel like, you got nobody. You got me. Nice. And how much I appreciate the effort, the effort, like there's so much currency inside of the effort. You bet. You bet. Like so much intention, and the fact that you're like, yeah, we can go, we can go three hours, whatever. Like that's, 
that, that's so cool. And that, that, that goes back to, um, and I'll, I'll make this point just to, just to kind of put a bow on that whole thing. This goes back to the talking about something that, that might have upset somebody. It's like you'd have to go through all of it. So that would mean you'd have to pay a lot of currency of effort to find a thing. And that's, that's why I say the stakes are pretty low. Like, I don't think somebody like James Arthur Ray would take the time to listen to the whole three-hour conversation to find maybe uh, a, a, a little piece <laughs> of me saying I felt weird about something. Yeah. Like that, that's, it's not, it's not going to be – I mean, maybe it will be, but I doubt it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And, um, I'm just glad that you've got, you've got the equity. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that that touches me, man. I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, and 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 and, and back at you. I mean, of course. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, like like something I'm really big on telling my 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 patients is that you know, like in your personal life, um, you know, look, we all have relationships that we don't have a lot of choice, right? Like like we all have bosses, we all have people that we have to interact with, so to the extent that you can, you know, make those like, like whatever subset of relationships in your life that you get to choose, um, you know, make those choices ruthlessly. And, and, and I tell people that, you know, like I'm lucky enough to right now be in the position of like, you know, look, I can be very picky about not only who I work with in a therapy context or, or, you know, like, like who I work with in professional context and seek safely, but uh, I think everybody has the right and the responsibility to be super picky about who they let into their head and heart when it comes to when it comes to friendships. So, I mean, I don't interact with people that that uh, that, that that don't add value. And and this friendship is is no questions asked. I mean, there's there's never a point where I'm like that guy, that guy, the the, the drum guy. He probably, he, he probably wants something from me. He probably. He probably wants. They probably want some kind of rub off of my social media presence. Give him, give him the rub. That's right. <laughs> but is there anything the people who love you the most find this recording uh, twenty years from now? What are the what are the what are the major takeaways that you're giving them in order to help them be a better version of themselves tomorrow as they are today? That's easy. Um, Something that I would want them to know, though, you know, anybody unearthing this in, in 20 years, and then hopefully we'll have done our episode 666 by then, so there will be even more material to root through. But, you know, look, right now it's 2022, and we know things. Like, I've got to orient this toward behavior change and, and emotional recovery because that's kind of my wheelhouse. But we know things in 2022 about the brain, the nervous system, um, you know, how, how behavior changes and is maintained. Like we know things now that we didn't know five or 10 years ago. Like we know things now that we didn't know when I was in graduate school in the early 2000s. We know a lot more than we did 20 years ago. And we still don't know what we don't know, right? Like there's still stuff that some people in the mental health field thinks is impossible um that in 20 years you guys who are listening to this now are gonna be like can you believe they didn't think they could 
that was possible? Like, can you believe that that's the world they were living in? Right now, you, uh, 20 years hence, so in 2042, there is stuff that the world and the mental health field are going to tell you is impossible. Like there is stuff that they haven't figured out yet. And especially the scientific establishment likes to think that they know everything and they'll communicate to you that they know everything. They know what's possible. Don't believe them. What I, what I mean when I say that is not, you know, disbelieve science. I mean, you know, take, look at that evidence. That's what science is. Look at that evidence and, and take it for what it's worth and, and, and follow best practices, etc. But, but remember that the science of your day, the psychological and behavioral health science of your day doesn't know what it doesn't know. Mm. So, so don't fall into like, like this, this despair of like, look, I've tried the most empirically verified treatment for my PTSD. I've tried, you know, what, what they say I should try for this and it hasn't worked. That doesn't mean you're hopeless. That doesn't mean you're broken. That doesn't mean that that you know that next year they won't crack that code. So again, we, we don't know what we don't know, and and the field of psychology in particular, because because psychology pretends to know things about how our mind works and what really motivates us, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the field of psychology is sometimes reluctant to admit that we don't know what we don't know. So do not lose hope. And I'll also remember that, look, whatever you, like if somebody knows me, they've probably found me on social media. They've probably found like if social media is even a thing in 20 years. You know, they've, probably, they've probably found my, my work. They might've found my books, like, you know, whatever it is. Anybody who, like me, who's out there or James Arthur Ray or Tony Robbins, like anybody who's out there writing books about how to change behavior and feelings, et cetera, et cetera. We have our point of view, but we don't know you, right? So take it with a grain of salt, you know, like, like don't read something I, I write and be like, well, boy, if he says this is this and this isn't this, like, I don't, I don't know you, right? What I try to do is put stuff out there worth thinking about. So I won't put it out there if I don't think it's worth thinking about. So think about it, but don't ever fall into the trap of thinking like, oh man, like, you know, like this is the only way it could possibly be. Like, look, you may have a brain that's very, you may have a brain of the type that I've never seen before, right? So while the stuff I say might be worth thinking about, you know, there may, it may be more complicated for you, but do not lose hope. Do not stop trying. If you can hear my voice, it is not too late. That's a I mean, that's a huge belief of mine. If you can hear my voice, if you're reading this, if, you, if you're listening to this, like whatever, it is, it is not too late. I don't care if you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s. It is not too late. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank um, you. The way we wrap up every episode, I don't know if you remember this, but maybe you do. Uh hypothetically, let's say I've gifted you this show. So this show from this point on is now yours. Evolving, evolving with Glenn Doyle. Uh, <laughs> this is your first episode. This is your pilot episode. Oh Wrap gosh. it up in a pretty bow for the fans, for your new fans, your new listeners of your podcast. And uh, give, them some, give them some valuable takeaways from what we've chatted about. And, and, uh, and then after that, uh, do your best Norm McDonald impression and say, be fun, have safe. 
<laughs> as, as if as if I could do an even passable Norm McDonald impression. Eh, eh, can't, can't even do it there. I don't talk like that. Eh. I want to murder you in a well. Um, so what we've been, I mean, thank you. For, first of all, if you're listening to this podcast, Evolving with Dr. Glenn Patrick Doyle, I love you. And what I mean when I say I love you is not that I'm in romantic love with you. Although, who knows? Who knows? The night is young. This is the pilot episode. (laughs) The psychiatrist M. Scott Peck defined love. Now, someone's going to go back and read his book and say he didn't say that. I don't know if this is actually how he defined love. He wrote about love a lot. but, But one of the things that he wrote was important to love was we were willing to expend effort on behalf of another just for their well-being not for anything that that we might get out of it but that's one of the characteristics of love so when i say i love you podcast listeners you know Corey and i have just spent a couple hours you know kind of pouring all this out because we don't know how you're going to respond to this we don't know like you know like like some you might have found funny or poignant or meaningful or silly sell it sell it (laughs) (laughs) sell it Vince (laughs) actually sell it Pat McAfee like he went up (laughs) or Austin Theory went up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he got got hang time on that yeah Um, no like you know look whatever whatever you might have taken from these last couple hours know that it came from a place of of love like know that that neither Corey nor I uh, are are going to be you know getting rich from this podcast. We do this because you know we not only took joy in its creation, like I was saying a few minutes ago, like you can take joy in the creation, you can take joy in the reception. We hope that you take joy in the reception, but know that we love creating it for you because we love you. You're gonna find things in this podcast if you go back, like 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 we were we were dropping bits about about philosophy and and psychology and and the business of wrestling and the business of comedy and the business of psychology and the business of self help. But know that none of those businesses would exist except for that someone found value to other people in it. Like I mean, pro wrestling is just eh. like you can find. You can find old tapes. I used to have a videotape of of the Road Warriors. Like it was one of these AWA productions. So the production value was terrible. And it was like a compilation of Road Warrior matches. And and one of them, it was bizarre. It was like these matches taped in this empty warehouse. Um, it felt like COVID times, but this is in like the 70s, right? And there's no reason for grown men to put on tights and makeup and pretend to fight each other, except that it would give somebody else entertainment, <laughs> right? So know that we created it uh, and, 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 and all these fields, uh, you know, for you to derive value from and, and, and meaning from. And, and I truly hope that you found something in the last three hours to provide value and, and, and meaning. And that's, that's the show, that's evolving with Castlemania. Now remember, brother, you gotta remember the three demandments of Castlemania. Invent time travel. Time travel, manage your expectations, which is really the important one. What was the other one? It was don't overthink, don't overthink it, brother. Brother. 
So long. It's good night. Be well. <laughs> there you go. Be I fun, have safe. <laughs> That's that was, it. That was That's the it. that was the the close of the Norm Macdonald as a show. That song. So good. So good. Underrated show, man. Yeah. The David Spade episode was my favorite. <laughs> and I, I, I've watched it a few times. Where, where Norm tried to punk him halfway through, he's like, "Yeah, we haven't been recording any of this. Like, this is just like, uh, yeah." Ready. He's like, "Oh, that was all a commercial." He's like, "Wait a minute! I just said all that, and we were on break." Test show, test show. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for everything you said. I love you, man. I can't wait till we do this again. We'll be back, and man. Absolutely. Everybody, if this is your first time listening to Evolving with Corey Castle. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button on wherever you're listening to it. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, wherever the heck you find your podcasts. And uh, man, tell your friends. And, uh, you know, that same thing goes where if you ever feel like you're alone, not a hard person to get a hold of. Reach go. out to me. I'll chat with you. I'm a, I'm a real dude. Be fun. Have safe. Be kind to yourself. Keep evolving. You can you can you can find me on the Twitters at, at Dr. Doyle says and on the Instagrams at, at Dr. Doyle says. You can find Seek Safely at Seek Safely. Perfect. Later taters. All right. Big taters. Big taters. Later, big taters. <laughs> Later, big taters. But they, oh, that's it. That the right there. <laughs> Later, big taters.